Good evening, Sifters. Welcome to Game Face, episode 47. And oh, what a show we have for you this evening. Oh, what a night. <laughs> oh, what a night for a gangster party. <laughs> we have great topics on the show this week. Uh, I'm surprised, honestly. <laughs> Thanks, Nintendo. <laughs> yeah. That's one, but there's just lots of good stuff to talk about this week. Uh, Really excited about the show. Hopefully you guys enjoy it as well. Uh, I want to talk about a couple housekeeping things off the top. Uh, We're going to start doing polls of the day on Sifted. So every day there'll be a new poll uh, that's promoted on the homepage that'll lead into the polls in our forums. Um, Some of the polls are going to be related to Sifted itself. So things that you want to see. Uh, Things we want to bounce off you guys. The first poll actually is going to be a poll asking you guys what t-shirt sizes you wear. Hmm. (laughs) Uh, We're pretty far along in the process of getting the t-shirts made and some merch. And uh, we need to order stock, obviously, for it. So I want to get a good idea of uh, the sizes you guys wear so we can intelligently order stock of the shirts and things like that. So that'll be the first one. But going forward, there's going to be basically a poll every day. Some of them will be fun. Some of them will be about the topic of the day. But just something to get you guys engaged in the forums every day. Uh, so that's going to be a big thing. I'm also We're also launching a new, I don't know if I'd call it a show. <laughs> we're going to be launching a new piece of video that goes up probably just about every day. The show, I think right now, is going to be called DLC. And basically, it's just me and the TriCaster. Uh, just going through the big stories of the day, talking briefly about them, showing off some really cool media for the day. Um, I'll stay away intentionally from the big stuff that Matt and I want to talk about on Game Face and make sure we have good stuff to talk about here. But some of the smaller stuff and some of the stuff that falls through the cracks we don't talk about on Game Face, I'll talk about it on there. May jump in and play like a new indie game that came out that day. It's just going to kind of be a mishmash, a potpourri, a hodgepodge, a plethora <laughs> of different stuff. Enough synonyms for you there. Uh, of different stuff every day. At least I hope to do it every day, provided there's enough content to make it happen. So I just think it's important that we have... I don't know, more regular content on the site, so it doesn't seem like we just kind of have like these shows that go up and nothing in between and our gaming vows and stuff like that. So really excited to do that. I'm guessing the first couple episodes are going to be pretty rough. Mm. (laughs) There's a reason that we hire someone to run the TriCaster. (laughs) So uh, bear with me for the first few episodes. I'm okay on the TriCaster. I'm nowhere near as good as Sam or Matt, for that matter. Uh, But it'll just be kind of like a laid-back, like, hangout-type show where you guys will probably stream it live. Uh, Maybe not the first episode while I'm Hmm. figuring everything out. Uh, But after that, I probably will stream it live. It's not going to be an exceptionally long show. It'll probably be anywhere from 15 minutes to a half hour. Uh, So I don't know if it's worth streaming when it's that short. 90 minutes confirmed. (laughs) But but yeah, that's on the horizon as well. Lots of big stuff coming up too. Uh, Lots of big decisions for us to make, obviously, with the one-year anniversary of Sifted coming up in uh, just a couple weeks, actually, which is really crazy. So... Lots of big news. Uh, before we get into the big six, just want to talk about one smaller topic. And we talked about it last week, so I don't want to spend a ton of time on it. But So we talked last week about the glitches and everything in the division. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you saw the story or not, but basically an engineer who has worked on a couple big games. It may have been like Destiny and Halo. I can't remember what the two games were. But he went and he looked at the netcode for the division. And he says that the netcode in the division is so bad and so broken that it is going to stay permanently broken. That they would have to completely rewrite the netcode to get around all the issues they're having with the game right now. Wow. Yeah. Ubisoft really needs to lock down these people that don't work for them and expose their secrets. <laughs> You're <this> right. <laughs> I mean, considering the uproar, the upheaval that 
everyone's been dealing with over these glitches that we're having already, knowing that more of them are going to be on the way and that they're going to be slow to fix mm-hmm. them. And they're basically... That explains the banning idea, I guess. Because it's like, well, we can't fix this, so I guess we'll just ban the people that do it until we run out of people to do it. Yeah, I like, guess. <laughs> like, that's not a strategy. It's not a good way to uh, drum up sales for no. The Division 2, that's for sure, or any of your games, for that matter, if you're Ubisoft. So I just thought that was crazy. I've never, you know, I've been in the industry a long time, never heard of anything like this, where something's just permanently broken. And again, a game that's really, really popular. I don't, just not on that scale. Yeah. That's for for sure. And a lot of it, you know, with like uh, SimCity, when it came out, it was obviously busted, but they Mm -hmm. were able to get that to a decent place eventually. Um, But from the sounds of it, this guy is an expert and he's built a lot of intricate, complicated net code uh, to hear him say this, it does not bode well for the future of Ubisoft's MMO shooter. So, no. I mean, I feel like I kind of got, got my time out of that game for the most I part. I haven't played it since I finished the game eval for it, in all honesty. Like, I, I played a little bit of endgame stuff and felt like I just didn't care anymore. Yeah. So, like, I'm not good at, like, kind of grinding for the sake of, like, oh, now you got to get a slightly better piece of armor or whatever. Like, I'm, you know, once, you're, once I'm done with the content, like, I don't like to play the missions over and over Yeah, again. I'm not like that either. I don't grind for gear or loot. And really. I haven't done, like, the, the, the raid uh, just because, like, one of the guys that was playing with us, like, just moved on to other stuff in Dark Souls 3. So, like, yep. he doesn't want to... He's not going to... So, it's like, we don't have four. So, it's like, well... Screw it. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I said when I finished the game. <laughs> Period. I was like, screw it. I got killed a couple times. had a couple rough deaths in, deaths in the Dark Zone, and I was like, I'm done. Like, I don't care enough to fight through all this crap. Well, yeah, the so. Dark Zone's even wilder than they expected to be. Oh, so. yeah, for sure. Because if you're not cheating, you're getting wiped out. Yep. So I don't know what they're going to do with that, but I was pretty now surprised. Now it's really an MMO. Yeah. Every- <laughs> you're right. <laughs> now it really is an MMO. Uh, but anyway, just wanted to mention that off the top of the show. Uh, maybe we'll update on that topic in the coming weeks as Ubisoft tries to figure it out. Mm-hmm. It could get worse. Oh, could. Because the problem with code is like you go to fix one thing, it's like a domino yeah. that could. Well, just... now that the community knows that, right? Yeah, sky's the good. limit. It ain't looking good for the division. Well, it... they figure. You remember back in uh, the old days of Play- uh, Fantasy Star Online when like there was a way you could like delete someone's character by like yeah. s- sending out the right text messages in- into a lobby. Yeah. And like people would just pop into a lobby, say that everybody's characters would go away. Yeah. Like just that's how bad well, it that was. That game was broken. Oh, it was super broken. Yeah. One time I remember there was a whole thing. We used to go to uh, Japanese servers to play the new content because it would hit there first. Yeah, yeah. And if you. We had to be very careful because if you accidentally typed or used English, they'd think you were American and everyone would vanish right. out of the lobby because <laughs> they thought you were going to do the character erase trick. Yeah. And, like, it was it was the wilds. Well, there was the whole Masetta trick where you could just oh, yeah. get, like, unlimited funds and then you can buy, like, the most powerful mm. shotgun and then the whole game just becomes yeah. a cakewalk. And then, they, and then they, like, uh, there were people that could dupe things. So you'd see guys just, like, hand, you know, you'd go in Just a game. handing out the bag. Right. You go in a game, it's like, oh, I'm just going to join this game. Like, it's, it's just, like, people standing around in a circle while one guy, like, throws out, like, you know, Top-level swords, like, cards. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like, items that I had, like, been playing, like, playing my butt off to get oh, yeah. for, like, weeks. You just walk into a lobby one day, and a guy just throws it on the ground. You're mm-hmm. like, what? Hey. <laughs> but anyway, it's time to move on. The Division is looking like it's in a tough spot, but the episode of Game Face is not. Let's get to the big six. So we know what you guys want to hear us talk about. Packs. Yeah, exactly. That's why it's the first topic of this episode, because we knew no no matter any story from this week, what you wanted to hear about the most 
was PAX East 2016. So we're delivering it for you here on Game Face. Stay tuned. We are men of the people. I don't even. Like, I don't even <laughs> want to talk about this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we're going to talk about PAX East. So PAX typically is a convention for indie games. Mm. Um, the big publishers go. Nintendo was there, and Nintendo had like Kirby Planet Robobot there. Yeah, it sounds like pretty much the same setup they had at WonderCon. And yeah, stuff like which that. is pretty much what they do. They just pack yeah. everything up from one con and then just ship it on down yeah. to the next one, which is quite a drive from WonderCon. Outside. Yeah. But, you know. <laughs> they had a week to, or two weeks to get there. Shipping's so. cheap when you're in a multi-million dollar international company. You're right. So, so PAX is typically an indie show, and it pretty much held true to, to that tenet mm-hmm. at this year's, uh, this year's convention. Um, I miss being there. As, as I've said before on the show, I love PAX. It's probably my favorite convention. And PAX East is... One of the betters. I, think. I have not been to PAX East ever, actually. I've been to PAX East twice, and I had a great time both times. How does it differ from PAX West? I don't know. Just I guess just East Coast people. Yeah, it makes a difference. Yeah. But it's, you know, it's in Boston. There's a little more. You know, there's people that you don't interact with otherwise. I mean, it was both times I went was for X Play, and like you know, like eighty percent of our viewership was east of the Mississippi. Right, right. So like we had a lot more fans there. Right, like our right. panel was jammed with like twenty five hundred people. It was. You know, we've we felt very loved at PAX East, and like, I think we feel loved at PAX. Period. That's oh one yeah, thing I love sure. about it. Like, no matter who you are, as long as you're into games, you fit right in. But there was so. this, like, you know, because you know, we operate on the on the West Coast for the most part, so like PAX Prime was always really cool. But going to PAX East, like everybody was super thrilled to see the show out there, and like, and to meet you know Adam and Morgan for the first time. Most people had never had a chance before, yeah. and like it was just it was a great great time. We. We booked, the first year we did that, we booked a, a bar for like a meetup, uh-huh. and like, it like, just turned into oh, insanity. it was chaos. It was like we yeah. like they ran out of beer, like they had to like send people down the street to another bar to get more kegs, like, <laughs> like it was ridiculous. Like we're like sorry, we we didn't think this many people watched this show. Yeah, <laughs> basically, but uh, no, it was it was always a great great time, and you know. Uh, you get you get to meet a lot of people you wouldn't meet otherwise that uh, enjoy the work, and and also like I don't know, you know. There's the whole East Coast, West Coast argument, and I'm West Coast born and raised, but, like, uh, a lot of those East Coast people are super nice people. Like, I, I enjoyed it. Don't let PAX fool you. <laughs> oh, I know. Oh, like, you go to a local bar in Boston, it's just like, we, I think we had three fistfights almost aver- yeah, yeah. had to be averted, but it's like, the people that came in from out of town. Yeah, yeah. I'm uh, an maybe, East Coaster, so I can say things oh, yeah. like that about East Coasters. Maybe they were all from Toronto, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. That could be. It's all Canadians. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, PAX is a great show. It's a great time. It's the only con- PAX, PAX of whatever uh, is the only convention I would spend my own money to go to. I would agree with that. Yeah, now there's like going to be a PAX. There's like a PAX in Austin now. PAX South is in Austin, and there's a PAX Australia, and they're talking about a PAX Britain. Yeah, uh, which would be pretty cool. Yeah, um, they're not even quite gone to Silicon Valley yet, like Comic Con. No, I think I think Seattle is like considered close enough right yeah. now for that. And I feel like, like Comic Con is starting to whore itself out a little bit too much. A little bit. Yeah. I I think that happened when Hollywood took over the San Diego show. And... I felt like they did have integrity at one point though, Comic Con. Well, like, it mean... was kind of a different show where you had to really adhere to like really strict like shooting guidelines and like you couldn't just mm-hmm. run into the convention and shoot whatever you wanted with a camera like. There was, like, you had to have, like, chaperones at first, and then eventually that morphed into, like, just don't shoot in, like, the aisles. Well, they've always had a very, you know, I think Comic-Con had a very uh, profound mistrust of the press yeah. early on. Because, like, it was never, you know, the press it didn't wasn't supposed to be that anyway. No, well, it was supposed to be for the fans, and, and it was for many, many years, because it started in the early 70s. It's older yeah. than us, you know. And um, a lot of the same people that organized it back then still organize it today, or did last time we were involved. And... Uh, 
They had a profound mistrust of the, of the press because the press didn't care for decades, literally yeah. decades. Like it was, you know, maybe you'd get a stand up. Because it was a comic right. convention. But you get like a stand up <laughs> from like the local news outside. It's right. like, oh, there's a comic convention in place. Look at you. Look, it's crazy, you know. Yeah. But like now, all of a sudden, it's, you know, it's an international multimedia satellite event. And, like, oh yeah, you people know, like plan their vacations around oh, it. Yeah, and, I, and like will travel from wherever to well, go look, to it. Tr- good which luck. I can't understand at all. Like, well, I don't get. In it all either, honesty, like, Comic Con is like my least favorite convention of all. But of it's like, well, now and also like for the last several years is like well good luck getting another ticket for right. the next year because they sell it immediately and good luck getting a hotel room within like five miles of the yeah. place because all the corporate people have all the downtown stuff and but if do you, you do the rooms like you some oh, yeah. crappy ramada is like 450 bucks a night and did you know um you know because there's a lot of talk these days about moving it out of san diego that san yeah. diego can't handle it, which it can't it's too you know the whole area is too small but uh, I think it, I think it's something. It's responsible for something like thirty three percent of downtown San Diego's summer revenue. Oh, I believe it. And so San Diego, it's 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 not in San Diego's best interest to let that convention go away because it's very very beneficial for that city. Have to cut them a deal probably to keep them there. Well, that's what happened so far, and I think it'll, I think it'll continue for the most part. I mean, they've been there forever, and uh, they kind of know the they know the place, they know the space. Uh, maybe they could convince San Diego to upgrade that convention center again. Yeah. Um, I don't see it moving anytime soon. Yep. So let's get back to PAX. Um, we just want to talk about a handful of the games that really made an impression on us from the show. Lots of debuts there. The first game we're going to talk about is Outlast 2. Matt, did you play the first Outlast? A little bit. Yeah. PlayStation Plus. Yeah. Got it for free. Played it for about an hour. That was good enough. Yeah. Did you watch the demos for Outlast 2? No. Oh, wow. Because I don't care about Outlast I think you might, if you watch it, might yeah. change your mind, though. <laughs> well, see, I mean, the thing that didn't, that didn't strike, I, you know, I like horror stuff here and there, but I'm also more of a, it's funny, because, like, I'm not scared by anything that's not realistic in terms of, like, what would actually threaten you in real life, so, yeah. like, ghost stories aren't really scary to me or anything, but part of my problem with Outlast was, like, I don't find the whole, like, abandoned mental asylum thing particularly interesting it's or creepy. completely rote and overdone, right. yeah. So, uh, you know, I mean, yes, okay, American Horror Story, but like, so is that is it different? Is it is it, different. Not what they're doing again. So it's um, it's not really about ghosts. It's about the occult, which I imagine could eventually transition right. into ghosts. <laughs> uh, but basically, you're out in the woods with this group, this cult, basically this group of cult members, and they're trying to kill you. And so they release like two, like five or six minute gameplay clips. The one you're watching right now, what you're seeing right now, is the player hiding in like a horse's like watering thing. Hmm. Because the people are looking for him with flashlights in the dark. And so he hides in this like little watering thing for livestock. And then you'll see he jumps out and he starts running through this cornfield. And the cornfield chase is so freaking intense. Like you have a, a video camera that like helps you see in the dark basically. Mm-hmm. And like for instance, there's a couple weird things. Like he jumps in the water with the camera. He turns it off before he gets in. Well, I don't mm-hmm. even know. But just the sound design and the limited field of view in this demo makes it absolutely terrifying. Like, what you're saying about it being, like, realistic, like, that's kind of what it is now. Like, it's Mm. other human beings trying to hunt you down as a human being while you try to get away. So, this game, a lot of the publications who went to the show have given this, like, top five of the show or best game of the show. As far as just media that came out of PAX, I would say this is probably, at least for me, the most arresting and affecting demo that came out. Now, it's not technically a Marvel or anything. No, it doesn't have to be. It's not going to bang heads with Uncharted at the end of the year for the best (laughs) graphics of 2016 or anything like that, but it's serviceable. 
reality um, isn't going to bump heads with, with Uncharted. But it's not either. bad either. I mean, you can see the flashlight as it comes through, like yeah. the corn stalks and everything. Like it's it's no slouch. No. But what I really love about it is the tension, and it's one of those horror games, at least from what they've shown so far, where half of the fear comes from like what you can't see instead mm-hmm. of what you do see. Um, there's a thing at the end that's a little bit of a nod to the ring where you come into this barn and there's like this well that goes down. Mm. Um, so there's, you know, there's a little bit of stuff in it that's kind of derivative. But the other thing I really loved about this, this demo is the sound design. Just the breathing of the character. Like there's one part where he hides in a barrel and there's a hole in the barrel and like the, the cult members start walking by like shining their flashlights and just the way, here it is. And just the way his breathing, like, changes while he's in there and, like, the echo off the inside of the barrel and how the pace of his, of his breathing quick, like, quickens, it's, there's a lot of attention to detail paid to the small things, which for me personally, as a, someone who loves horror movies and loves horror games, I, I kind of appreciate that instead of just getting beat over the head with, like, hey, here's this crazy monster that's trying to kill you. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like it's one of those kind of subtle horror games. It's it. I don't know if it's a walking simulator or not. Like the this demo didn't show like a lot of gameplay, like as far as like action or I mean, anything. There's not a lot of combat, at least in the first game. But I wouldn't call it a walking simulator. I mean, at least if, if, if not least because you run most of the time. Yeah, yeah, so. <laughs> that's a good point. <laughs> a running simulator. We're yeah. gonna get to one of those in a little bit, actually. Actually, the next topic is a running simulator. Yeah, I mean, so. it's, it's a it's a chase simulator to some degree, which makes it uh, a direct descent into. Pac-Man. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Right on down the family tree. So I was really impressed with this. I thought it it looked great. I thought the tension was amazing. Um, I already like what I'm looking at here already looks more interesting than what I played in the first one. So Yeah, this is the point where the player realizes the gig is up. They found him and now he's just running for his life basically. And again, the sound design, camera angles, everything just very, very effective in portraying terror, I guess is the best way to put it. Okay, so the next game we want to talk about is a game that we actually showed on last week's episode, which is Pyre. It was our trailer of the week last week. So, Supergiant Games, you're assuming it's going to be a lot like Transistor or Bastion, but it's actually Mm -hmm. like a sports game. (laughs) What? Yes. All right. It has like action RPG elements in it, but it's like a team-based sports game with a little bit of a taste of MOBA. Um, this is probably what I would say game of the show for PAX as far as like the vast majority of journalists who went to the show saying that it was their absolute favorite game there. But yeah, like looking at the game, looking at the art style, watching this trailer, you would never guess what the game really is. Um, but it made a huge splash at the show. It looks amazing. It, you know, it's really hard to find unique art styles in this day and age and somehow Supergiants managed to do that, which is no small feat. Um... So that was another game we wanted to talk about, uh, Shadow Warrior Two. Didn't expect to see this one. You mean at the show or on the list all, to talk at, about? At all, <laughs> like to be to exist. Like this really? is not something I thought would happen. Well, the debut trailer came out for it a few months ago, mm-hmm. but it was a lot different from what was shown at PAX East for whatever reason. So as you can see, it's a first-person action game. Um, you you can use swords if you want to, mm-hmm. uh, but you can also use guns, and. This kind of falls in line with the recent trend of, and there's another game we're going to talk about in the PAX East section in a, in a minute, this is kind of the same thing, of old school shooters kind of coming back around. Obviously, Doom is one of them. Mm. But this game is like a 100% circle strafer. Like, you'll see in the sections, the action sections, when they actually have a gun and you're fighting, like, the enemies. Like, literally, 
they're just flooding in from all directions, and you're just strafing and just firing the shotgun with reckless abandon, trying to keep them off of you. Uh, but really, action pack. Did you play the first Shadow Warrior? Well, I played the original Shadow Warrior in the '90s. Right, right. Like but the, you didn't the play the one, one from a couple years no. ago. To me, that was an underappreciated game. Like, I really enjoyed playing it. I don't know if I would say really enjoyed. I enjoyed playing it. But it just kind of fell by the wayside and got lost in the pile, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, but it does have kind of a cult following, like a niche audience that really got into it and really liked it. This one, I would say already the production values are far beyond the last game. Oh, yeah. This doesn't even look like the same game. Yeah. I mean, this. But I'm saying, the, like... The indie, the indie stuff is starting to be... Uh, the lines are getting hard, really yeah, getting blurry. blurry. Like, I don't, even know, I don't even know if you could call this indie, to be honest with you. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if a publisher picks this up and it ends up getting, like, a legitimate, like, box release. I mean, a lot of that will depend on, well, that's still is indiv- the game five hours long or is the yeah, game... Yeah, well, if someone steps in and, you know, gives them more funding to make it, you know, a bigger AAA release, then, yeah, that's not indie anymore. But, again, the tools, you know, mean that, like, you can't judge these things by their covers anymore. Oh, yeah, it's pretty much impossible to do that with modern games, which is great. Like, I, I love that small teams can create games that look like this now. Mm-hmm. Like, in last gen, this would have been, like, a triple-A game. Yeah, I mean, that that's, I mean, you know, it could be a Far Cry game if you just right. squinted, you know. Yeah. But, like, uh, I, that's why I think eventually this kind of high echelon indie stuff is going to sort of fill the, the, the gap that um, was left by the, B, the B-list games. Yeah. Know? Well, I mean, with the prices of indie games rising seemingly by the month anyway... And here you can see some of the shooting. Like, this, is, yeah. to me, is like an old-school circle strafer. Oh, looks like Shadow Warrior. Yeah, I guess the you're right. Shadow Warrior. I mean, they, they were, you know, Shadow Warrior was basically a, a Duke Nukem 3D mod yeah. back in the day. And so this is very, <laughs> this is very uh, uh, familiar in that regard. But you can see they mix, you know, spell casting and yeah. things like that with the combat. Hopefully um, a little less, a little lighter on the Asian stereotypes. Yeah, I don't know, though. Like, the opening of this was pretty thick yeah. with that type of stuff, so... I think this game may be developed in Europe. Don't quote me on that. But uh, I know it's not made in Japan. I know that yeah, much. Yeah. <laughs> anytime that's the case and you're trying to cover content that's related to Japan, things can get a little dicey. So, yeah, I don't know if it's going to be politically correct or anything like that, but it looks like a ton of fun to play, at least for a few hours. So that was one of the other big games, uh, Cuphead. Yet again. Well, not yet again. It hasn't been shown since E3 last year. Mm-hmm. It went completely underground. And I don't know if you... Did you play Cuphead at E3 last year? No, I couldn't get near it. So it was... At E3 last year, it was basically just a boss rush game. Like, there was mm. really no just level, so to speak. Like, it was just fight one boss, fight another boss, which mm-hmm. I actually kind of enjoyed. But since it got, like, the crazy positive response at E3, they basically went back to the drawing board and turned it into, like, a quote-unquote, like, a legitimate side scrolling mm-hmm. platformer. So now there are just jump and attack levels that you'd find in any other side scroller. Of course, they haven't cut out the awesome boss fights either. But yeah, so it's more of like a, a full-featured game now than it was before, um, which is a pretty big deal. Uh, this game has generated a ton of buzz. It was on the hot list for a lot of people coming out of E3 last year. I think some sites even gave it like honorable mention for, game, for a game of the show and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it impressed the living crap out of me. I don't know how you can watch the animation in this game and not be blown away by it. Like, yeah. it's hard to believe that it's a, a real-time video game. It's, it's really awesome, and it's different, and that's really hard to do in this day and age. Everything's kind of all blending together at this point, but not Cuphead. So, yeah, it looks like they really... And they were smart. Like, you know, they saw the response to the game, realized that it had the opportunity to be something really big and really special, 
And instead of just saying, okay, well, what we have is good enough, they went back to the drawing board and, mm-hmm. uh, and made it even better. So, Like, you're probably looking at something. You're, well, I'd say we're probably going to see Cuphead 2 and 3 oh, yeah, eventually yeah. as well. I mean, there's a, lot, there's a lot of material to be mined out of this idea. Also, a lot of work to make a game like this, man. Yeah, I don't, like, I'm even impressed look, just looking at that, t- that trailer again. It's just like, just the sheer number of frames of animation. Well, just the yeah. sheer number. It's like, oh, there's another one. There's another boss. There's another different boss. There's yeah. another different boss. It's like, they've already got, like, more set piece moments than your average size game. Definitely, yeah. So yeah, that's really exciting, and it, that came out of the show with a lot of big positive response. Is there any kind of hint on a release for that one? Nope. I'm guessing we'll find that out at E3. Mm. It's only you know a month and a half, two months away. Yeah, two months, I guess. No, it's a month and a half. Yeah, like five weeks. Holy, really? <laughs> yeah. I thought E3 was like June, like the second or third week of June. Second week. Yeah, but you know May starts on Sunday. Yeah, you're so. right. Holy cow! I got a lot to get done in the next five weeks. Uh, the next game we're gonna talk about is Dead by Daylight. So I don't know this one. Okay, so I, what I'll say is when I saw it for the first time, there's been they put up a bunch of developer diaries for it so far, but never really let people play it or show much gameplay. Um, but it packs these people were able to play it, and the first thing I thought when I saw the demo of the game was I felt bad for our friend Adam Sessler because Adam Sessler is working with the team who's making Friday the 13th Mm -hmm. the game, which I should also add was finally, in-engine stuff was finally shown for that game at PAX. Doesn't look great, I might add. Um, They've got some interesting ideas in there, though. That's what I was getting at, though. The the interesting ideas that they have, this game also does the same thing. It's an asymmetrical multiplayer game where one person plays the killer and the other people play the hapless... Mm -hmm. Preteens or whatever they, the age group is for the the people who will be slaughtered in this game, but it's basically like the same. I mean, look, it even looks like Jason. He's wearing like a mask and everything. But yeah, so you can set traps um, if you're the killer uh, to trap your enemies. Like the killer organically moves more quickly than than the other people in the game. So and you know that as the player, so you're always in fear if he gets close to you that he's going to get you. Conversely. If you're playing the survivors, or whatever you want to call them, you can team up to try to kill the killer as well. Um, and so it's not just about escaping the killer, it's about like killing the killer, mm-hmm. I guess is the best way to put it. Um, but obviously there's that risk reward, and risk reward, you go in and try to kill the killer, he kills you, now you only have two people left to help you try to kill the killer. But the production values in this game are miles ahead of Friday the 13th, the game. And, you know, while they don't have the official license, which that game actually I think I got for free anyway, Friday the 13th, um, I have a feeling that this just may make Friday the 13th, the game, a moot point. Well, they have time to react. And again, uh, they haven't shown all their cards on Friday the 13th yet. So they don't have any. That's the problem. Well, we'll see. This game is obviously really far along. Yeah. And they just showed the first gameplay from Friday the 13th, and it looks really rough and really early. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, unless they bring in a master programmer to get that engine to a good place, I don't see it competing with this on a presentation level. I don't see it competing it competing with it in a chronological level. I gotta, like this looks like this will be out long before Friday the Thirteenth. What is the proposed release date for Friday the Thirteenth? I don't know. I mean, I, it looks like a long ways away. Yeah, based upon I, mean, where I, the I would, I right would guess we're, we're probably. I don't know. 
I don't remember what the date is on the Kickstarter, but I, I've learned that I've backed enough game Kickstarters that like you look at the Kickstarter you know, proposed release date and you <laughs> add a year. Yeah, exactly. And that's when you should start to expect to see it. Unless it's Mighty Number no. Nine, and then you add two years. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, I mean Mighty Number no. Nine, I think, is just past its year year late date. Well, they just also announced that it's not coming out until December. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like I <laughs> year said, year half. So you know. They, uh, for a while there, it was like, oh, wow, it's going to beat, beat its year date. You know, yeah, but like, no, no it's not, not at all. No, unfortunately. Man, that's going to be an interesting book one day. Yeah, Like, for what sure. happened there? I don't, mm. Well, their big excuse, the last big excuse was multiplayer. They're trying to get the, who wants that? Like, just finish the damn single player. Like, it's like, if I'd known that stretch goal was going to be such a problem, I would have not backed it that Exactly, much, yeah. yeah, I'd only given you $10 or whatever <laughs> just to get the single player campaign. Uh, but I'm pretty psyched by... Uh, Dead by Daylight, again, another game that's been on everyone's hot list from the show. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone knows who watches the show. I'm a big horror fan of horror movies and horror games. So I'm really excited for that. The last one we're going to talk about is Cliff Blazinski's new game, Lawbreakers. Mm-hmm. First time ever playable for the public at PAX East 2016. Uh, the response to the game has been overwhelmingly positive. Cliff did some really interesting interviews while he was there. Because the thing about Cliff is, like, you interview him, you're not just going to ask him about his game. Right. Because you know if you ask him other stuff, he's going to go off. And that's exactly what he did. Uh, he made some comments about some of those controversial laws that are happening right now in North Carolina. Mm. And talked about the challenges of uh, trying... It, he's out there. He's right. there, yeah. And the challenges of trying to get people from places like California to move to North Carolina when there's laws like that. Because, mm-hmm. you know, obviously people in California is just kind of like a live or li- and let live state. Uh, then you go someplace like that and you feel like you're a fish out of water a little bit. So... He had some interesting quotes, but uh, above all, he was talking about how a big focus for him for this game was making sure that, one, there was a lot of diversity, so there's lots of female characters to play as, there's lots of quote-unquote minority characters to play as, uh, but two, just making sure that culturally that he represented all those people in the right way. Um, But then, you get to watch the gameplay of the game, and the game's freaking insane. Like, you're seeing it right now. Like, it is probably the fastest shooter that will hit the market in the next year or yeah. so. I see a lot of um, uh, Unreal. You remember Unreal Championship? No, oh, yeah, of the, course. The console version of Unreal Tournament. Yep. And Cliff was not happy with how that turned out. Yep. And this looks like it has a lot of the ideas from that, like executed properly. That are working now. Yeah. yeah. Well, a big part of it is like using your grapple mm. hook, so you can traverse really quickly just by grappling onto objects in the environment. It seems to be really seamless. It's certainly really fast. There's no really hitches in it at all. Um, I don't know. I'm pretty impressed with this game. Yeah, it moves pretty. Like, it moves like crazy. Like, it it's way more exciting to watch than something called Lawbreakers sounds like it would be. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like when I hear Lawbreakers, I think like you know, like Payday. Right. You know, yeah. I, I think it's gonna be like a cops and robbers thing for whatever reason. Well, they changed the. It turns name out it's of the it. laws of physics. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Breaking. Yeah, I mean they changed the name of it. What was the name of it initially? I can't even remember. I don't remember. But, yeah, so they changed it to Lawbreakers. And you're right, it is a play on the fact that you're breaking the laws of physics while you play. Um, there's actually a really good backstory to this game. I don't know if I can share it, though. There was a point where I was talking to Cliff about actually working with Boss Key, believe it or not. Um, and so he kind of gave me the pitch on the game, like, way before it was ever even announced. And they were just kind of prototyping it. But I don't know what he's announced officially yet. So I don't... And it's on an NDA, so I don't want to talk about it mm. too much. But there is actually, like, really interesting lore and backstory to the game. I don't think it's going to be told out through the game. Um, I think there'll probably be text that you can read or something like that. But there is kind of a backstory and some lore to it, to the universe, 
where if they end up making a game eventually with a campaign, because this is all multiplayer, uh, initially it was a free-to-play game. Uh, they've since gone back on that and said it's probably going to cost anywhere from 20 to $30. Um, he's gone on record saying is that he felt dirty making a free-to-play game because <laughs> he felt like the only way it would be successful is if you're like tricking people into spending mm-hmm. money. And I could totally understand that. So yeah. I'm excited for this game. I'm excited for all this whole new wave of old-school shooters, new again ideal that's really kind of taken hold over the last like six to eight months in the industry uh this to me looks like it might be the best of the bunch um at least if you're into multiplayer obviously with no campaign if you're a single player person it's not going to offer a whole mm-hmm. lot for you but uh i can see that see it kind of coming down to like this versus overwatch well i don't, I don't know if i consider overwatch in that class though no? it's it's no I, I consider that more in like the the whole moba movement for shooters like i don't this, i don't see that in that game, really. I mean, in the sense of different characters, but it's basically more of a Team Fortress 2 thing, I think. Yeah, I don't find this to be like a Team Fortress type game, though. Like, the the one thing I would say about this game is the characters aren't as distinctive as they are in, like, Overwatch and Battleborn. They're not, Mm -hmm. like, these mobile-like characters that have all this personality. Like, I don't see people cosplaying as the characters in this game. Oh. They could. Come on. (laughs) They will. But... You can cosplay as anything. You're not going to see as many people cosplaying this. There was, as you're there was a guy at PAX cosplaying Overwatch. Superman 64, the cartridge. I mean, there will be people dressed as these characters. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. But I'm saying if you compare that to like Overwatch, which already has a huge mm-hmm. cosplay community. In fact, some of the cosplay for that game has been absolutely incredible. I've that I've seen kind of making the rounds online. That's how I first heard about League of Legends. Was people we went to PAX East and there were or maybe it was PAX Prime. It was one of the PAXs and people were dressed as all these characters I didn't recognize. And I'm like, who are these? And everyone's like, oh, League of Legends. I'm like, oh wow, League of Legends. What's that? Yeah, you know, so that's <laughs> that's how we discovered League of Legends. I mean, you got to hand it to Riot. I mean, that game was around for a long time before it ever really went big. Yeah, they stuck with it. And I remember back with Riot. What well, it used to be right across the street from us at MTV. And uh, I remember they contacted me one time and said they wanted to come over. There was a one point where we were getting guests on Invisible Walls all the time. And there was one point where like, we were trying to get a guest for that week, and they were going to come over. And I remember asking Ryan Stevens, I was like, who's Riot? <laughs> really? Like, I had yeah. no idea who they were. And they were right across the street from us. And they came over, and they were awesome. Like, they were really cool guys. And uh, they talked about League of Legends. And I was like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Um, but uh, they've now since moved over. Actually... To my old, next to my old work, right across at G4. Yeah, they're in G4 now. Yeah, like their arena is basically like the it's old, our old studio. Well, their arena is like in the parking lot in front of mm-hmm. the building. They have that weird like esports thing. Like yep. it's really bizarre. Like they shoot a bunch of stuff in the same the same sound stage that we shot X Play and Attack of the Show at. Yeah, but they stuck with it, and the game is bigger than big now, oh, yeah. and it's probably never going to get smaller. It's become like the eSport, basically. Come a so. long way from like, who's that girl dressed in the baking outfit with the wings? Yeah. Like, that, that, that was my, the first time. I was like, she, it was it was the, the cookie baking skin for Morrigan. Oh, yeah. And like, this girl was dressed as that, and she had these giant, like, PVC pipe built wings, wings, and she pulled a thing, and they spread like eight feet out. Wow. It was crazy. It really it was is amazing. crazy. Cosplay is amazing. So... So yeah, I'm pretty hyped for Lawbreakers. I don't know how you guys are feeling. I think yeah. there's an alpha coming up in the next mm-hmm. like month or something like that, and you can sign up for it now. Um, if you watch any of the trailers or the gameplay for it on Sifted at the end, I think there's instructions at each one of those to tell you how to sign up for mm-hmm. the alpha if you want to get in on it. So It's not my kind of game. Like, I'm not a big competitive multiplayer person but like uh, outside of fighting games, but uh, I, trust, I trust in Cliff. It's so fast. Like, mm-hmm. it's like, watch this. It's crazy. Like, I almost am afraid I'll get, like, motion sickness from it or something. I like, wouldn't try to play it in VR. No. <laughs> you would definitely. 
toss your lunch on that one. So, so yeah, it, in all honesty, this is probably, as far as like game debuts and games being shown off for the first time, this is probably one of the best packs that yeah. has happened in quite a while. That tends to happen at packs, though. Yeah. It's, 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 it's a good place to debut something you know, uh, you know isn't a massive juggernaut AAA you, thing. You need the fans to get behind, mm-hmm. basically. That's, that's what I've discovered. And something you want the community to get its hands on. Yeah. And hopefully go out and be evangels and mm-hmm. you know spread the word to their friends on social media and it all that sort to, of thing. It seems to work okay. You get there's a lot of influencers at PAX. Seems to be. Oh, for sure. And yeah, and I, I like the fact that it's a show that like people expect and know that it's about indie. Mm-hmm. Um, it's good for us because the expect- expectations are set at the appropriate bar. Um, I love that the fans go in droves. I mean, it's hugely successful knowing that most of the big games aren't really going to be there. Every once in a while, one will show up there. Yeah, but it's not tremendous. It's not expected. It's it's, not it's like the standout game. Yeah, like you notice, you're like, oh, there is one like yeah. big game here. Like I think Evolve went. Yeah, what one year? Yeah, so, and, yeah, and like they had like tons of the stations set up for people to go head to head and all that sort of thing. So, well, so yeah, that did them. That's it. That's PAX East. That's all we're going to talk about. Just wanted to pluck out a few of the big games. There was a lot of, lots of other little games that kind of made waves here and there, but uh, probably not worth talking about here mm-hmm. on the show. But we might talk about it on the new DLC show. Yeah. We'll see. All right, let's move on to the next topic. We're going to talk about another game that already is in early access. And that game is Mirror's Edge Catalyst. Um, did, you get, did you get into the beta at all? Nope. So I did. Um... It's open world now. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Hmm. I, I don't know how that totally slipped under my radar. I literally had no idea it was open world. I didn't know that. I, I didn't either. Granted, I'm not paying attention to every bit of information yeah. about this thing. But for, That's I, a big piece of information. I just, I just didn't think you would be able to do that. Really. Yeah. I mean, I guess like after Dying Light, I should know better, but uh, that's cool. Yeah. Well, yeah. I guess yeah. it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so... The thing about the beta is that there, you can see this huge city, and as soon as you see it, you're like, oh man, it's going to go crazy. But it's like you're, you're cordoned off into mm. just like one little corner of it, so to speak. So you don't get like a full taste of how the open world will work, but you do get an idea of like how populated it is and if it feels alive. And I would say in that regard, it does a pretty good job. It's not like Grand Theft Auto level of activity. But there is a decent amount of people kind of hanging out and around. There's lots of drones flying around. I mean, it's a futuristic game, so maybe it makes sense that there aren't a ton of people on the streets. Uh, but there's lots of drones flying around. There's lots of people, like, as you run past people, like, there's lots of side missions. So as you run past people, they're like, hey, there's this mission over here. Um, and then there's, like, uh, I think there's three or four primary missions in the game that you can play. Um I guess the first thing I would say about it, other than you know talking about the open world, is that if you liked the last game, you're gonna like this one. Mm. It's not undergone some crazy like reimagining where it's completely different. Um, in fact, what I would say is, is maybe it's been a little streamlined because I don't know if it's just me, but I never came across the ability to use a weapon in this game. I have, I read some stuff that said basically she can't use guns now. Oh, like there's no you're not they trying to de-emphasize that. Oh, well that makes sense. Like I was just wondering. I'm like maybe I just didn't stumble across it. But you know, in the last game you could like kind of kick guns mm. out of people's hands and then use them. But I never used a gun in this 
the whole time no, I was I'm playing. pretty sure you can't use guns. Like, they, they tried to really de-emphasize the idea of, of like faith getting into combat situations in this game, which I think is not wrong. Like, like they, I don't know if it's right either, though. Maybe, but I, I, when I played Mirror's Edge, and I did like Mirror's Edge a lot, but I felt like when it kind of devolved into a shootout, it felt like it was sort of going against the... Like kind of the the, the princi- overall premise, the pre- principle and the premise of the game. Like it just didn't. It, it was. It, it felt too much like everything else you played. Whereas, like, if you're gonna turn this into like some kind of like crazy parkour thing, where I have to like you know outmaneuver everybody, I think that's more interesting as far as how this game is sort of set up. The parkour in this game is amazing. It is really, really good. It feels so fluid that you don't feel any hitches when you're going over or under or around or anything in the game. Like the movement. The speed at which you scale things, clamber things, jump, fall, whatever, it all feels great. Um, But, you know, that's not a big surprise. That was one of the things that the Mm -hmm. first game really nailed. So, it's a prequel. Um, You play as Faith as a younger version of herself, obviously, since it's a prequel. You never know with time travel, right? Hmm. Um, Basically, what's happening is when the game starts, she just got out of jail. It doesn't really tell you what she was in jail for, but what you do know is that she owes like a huge debt to basically what amounts to a mobster in this time frame. Um, so she has this huge debt that she she's trying to figure out a way to pay off or keep from being get, keep from getting killed over, and that's kind of the whole premise of the game. Um, Mission wise, here's where things for me start to. I start to have some questions. Um, for the most part, this game is like, it's a racing game. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's really what it is. It's not an action adventure. Like, you'd look at this and you'd be like, oh, it's like an action adventure, or an open world, like, GTA type. It's not at all. Like, you get missions from random NPCs hanging out and stuff like that. But the actual missions themselves are, it's just a race to get from one place to another. And usually the objectives are, go here, get this data. Oh, you got the data. Now there's people running after you. So then there's the chase to get out. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of how the whole Mm -hmm. game plays out. And I'm kind of torn on it in honesty. Like, you know, I played it for probably two hours, something like that, maybe three. And even at the end of that point, like, it was kind of like the, the VR mode in Black Ops 3. Like, it's just like an extra in Black Ops 3. Mm-hmm. And look, it's not as fleshed out as this, and it, it didn't have a story to it or anything like that, but I felt the same way playing the game, which was, okay, just another gauntlet to run through. And, you know, I never finished that mode in Black Ops 3. I, I played it enough to be able to evaluate it and know whether it was good or bad and whether it was compelling, but I didn't enjoy it enough to play through every single one of them. And by the time I got to, like, the second, third hour of this, I started to be like, is there something else to this game? I just... That's why I was saying I don't know if taking out the gunplay... And look, if the gunplay is as bad as the first game, sure, take it out. But in this amount of time, like, you should have been able to, like, lock down, like, Mm -hmm. firing weapons and make it feel okay. And, uh... I don't know, it just feels a little one-note to me, Matt. And it's a pretty game. It runs... Pretty well. Like during cutscenes, there's some uh, V-sync issues and there's some stuttering that's going on. Obviously, that's stuff that could easily be fixed before the game's released. Although the release isn't that far away. No, it's coming up. It's coming up pretty quickly. Um, so I definitely have some concerns about this mat. Um, it looks very pretty. It runs mostly well. It's pretty much what people expect. And from what I've played, there's not a whole lot that people aren't going to expect from it. Maybe that's a problem. 
but like there's the part they show her as like a kid and like they explain like what happened to her to kind of become like who she is like something horrible happens in her family and bitten by a radioactive acrobat no that's, <laughs> that's not it but uh do I want to play more after playing the demo? Yeah, I do. Um, I, I, it's not like I was like, I'm done with this or anything like that. The, the story and the setting are really interesting. Like, I did find, like, Faith to be an interesting character, just like she was in the first game. Um, you kind of learn about, like, her tattoos, like, mm. where they come from in this. I can't remember if they talked about that at all in the first one or not. I don't remember. I don't think so. But they talk very specifically about it in this one, like why she ended up getting... That game was a long time ago. Yeah, it was a really long time ago. Look, I'm shocked that they ever made a sequel to this game. Same. We've said it before on this show that I don't know if it's a good financial decision. It's a niche game that looks like a niche game, and the gameplay is something that's going to resonate strongly Mm -hmm. with a small group of people, but a large group, I'm not so sure. It's unusual for EA, but it's like... You know, I'm glad it happened. Yeah, I mean, they've kind of gone on this little kick where they're, like, getting a little arty here and there with yeah, Unravel e- and things e- like e- that. EA does that every, once, every five or six years. Yeah. They, kind of, they kind of turn that corner again and be like, we're going to get back to, like, making weird stuff and crazy things. And I think the last stuff. time they did it was the first Mirror's Edge. The first Mirror's Edge. It was, like, that Mirror's Edge <laughs> Dead Space thing. Yeah, yeah. When they're like, like, that was that one E3 where it was like, it's like, no sequels. It's all these origi- you got original IPs everywhere. Yeah, and it's yeah. like, whoa, look at that. Maybe Dead Space will come back at E3. Mm. Although, if it's, like, the last one, I don't want it to, so. I think the people that made Dead Space great are working on something else right now. Yeah, yeah. Make, yeah. Making some Star Wars great. Yeah, maybe. exactly. Yeah, I think that might be it, so... But look, they farmed out the last Dead Space to another developer. True, so and that didn't work out all that well. It didn't work out at yeah. all, in my opinion. I didn't enjoy that game at all. No. So, But uh, it wasn't a huge demo. Um, like I said, there's three or four main missions. There's a handful of like side missions, but oh, the wow. problem is She's that... She's getting attacked by the guy from Splinter Cell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like I said, the problem is that like all the missions are like the same. Like There just wasn't that much variety mm. in it. Well, I'd hope that they'd expand it a little more as the game goes on. I mean, there's clearly a lot of different challenges you can come up with in a parkour situation. Speaking of challenges, there are time trials in the game. Of course. To just simmer the whole thing down to the essence. Um, you can create your own time trials, too. And I would say the interface for that is really intuitive and easy to use. Um, but, you know, anytime you do something with the community, you have to rely on the community, one, to be motivated, and two, to be fairly big. Mm. Um, so, you know, I don't know how big the audience is going to be for this game, if that's going to be a viable kind of way to squeeze some more gameplay out of it or not um but you know the the whole game felt like trials to me i mean that's kind of what it is Mm -hmm. it does a good job of leading you around telling you what to do next like as you saw in the footage like there's that red streak that that shows you where to go um there's like scuff marks on walls and red accents on walls to kind of cue you in and clue you in on where you need to go what you need to do next so, I, and one thing I would say is that they do deal with the open world well in that way. Like, even when you're kind of walking around the open world, there's always these markers telling you where and the direction you need to go next. Um, so you're never kind of just wandering around, wondering what the hell you're supposed to be doing or anything like that. So, uh, so the meter that you see, see this is a little of the three mm-hmm. red dashes and there's that white Focus meter. Focus shield. That is exactly what it is. How do you know that? Because it just said it in the oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, how'd you get the exact terminology right? <laughs> so that is, it's your focus shield. And if it's up, basically the higher that white meter is, the more likely you are to be able to dodge bullets. And it's hmm. not that you actually physically dodge them. It's just that the bullets basically don't strike you when your meter's full. So, and, it, and you know, as you can tell just by watching, it depletes as you perform melees hmm. and as you clamber and climb and Ooh. things like that. So, 
then, it's before, kind of a luck meter a little bit. Yeah, it is a little bit. And uh, before I move on, the one thing I will say that this game captures, just like the first game, is that fear of the unknown. Like, am I going to make this jump, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Like, that... Like, I never felt like, you know, like, you know, in 3D platformers, like, you get so tuned in to how mm-hmm. far you can jump. Like, you know if you're going to make it or not. I felt like in the first Mirror's Edge, like, I never got to that place where I felt like I knew whether or not I was going to make jumps. Because some of them are so far mm-hmm. and so far down that you're just like, it's impossible for your brain to judge the distance and figure out if you're going to make it or not. And this game definitely still has that. Like, mm-hmm. there's still, like, when you make jumps, you're like, am I going to make that crap? And your heart, like, jumps up in rate for a couple minutes. Yeah, like, already out, like, once she, now that she's out on the rooftops, like, it's it, you can see it's like, oh, there's some vertigo happening yeah. on some of these jumps. Yeah, the frame rate's going to be important to this game, yeah. so hopefully that's one thing that they can get cleaned up, uh, especially when you're, like, biting nails. Is this off uh, PC? Or this is a PS4, PS4? version, yeah. Um, I did look at some PC footage. It doesn't really look any different. Now, well, there's not a lot of detail. Like, in, in, I mean, it's more of a more of a look than a detail set, setting. Which is uh, why I'm surprised the, the thing doesn't just run at a rock solid frame rate. Well, the Neo isn't coming out for nothing, I guess. <laughs> Apparently, so I don't know, man. I guess I'm kind of like fifty fifty on this game after having mm. played it for a good bit. It's um, not it's not a huge game on my radar, but like I like the first one enough that I'm you know I'm in to check it out. Oh, the other thing I should mention, too, is there's RP... Going back to what I was saying about the future of video games last week, this game has RPG elements. You complete missions, you get points that you can level up three different categories. There's running, combat, and gear that you can upgrade. Hmm. Yeah. Like I said, RPG in everything in 10 years. It'll be in every single freaking game. I never would have guessed it was in... That was another thing I didn't know before I started playing it. I'm like, what? Upgrade points? Okay. So, yeah, there's that. Any other last notes I want to share? No, I think I got it all. So, yeah, I'm 50-50 on this. Um, I think fans of the first game are going to be totally cool with it and love it. And they're probably watching this now saying Shane's crazy. Like, why is Mm. he down on this game? But, you know, just full disclosure, I was not a huge fan of the first one. I enjoyed it. I never finished it because I didn't have to review it. I think I played four or five hours of it before I kind of put it away. Um, I think I finished it. Did you? It wasn't a really long game. No, it wasn't. But I still never made it to the end. So, yeah. I'm not a huge fan to begin with, just to kind of set expectations for people watching this. Um, But, I don't know. I guess I feel the same way about this one as I did about the last one, despite, like, the changes with the open world and the RPG stuff Mm -hmm. and the lack of gunplay. Like, it still feels like the same game, I guess. Yeah, well, you're you're not really someone to run away. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. <laughs> it's not. It's not your style. But I will say though, like when those chases start, like your heart, ba boom, ba boom, ba boom, and then it, you kind of settle into it after a while, and and, and you kind of get over it. But it does. It does get the heart rate, the pulse racing a little bit, which is uh, mm. I'm assuming is one of their big goals for this game. Yeah. So they do succeed on that level. So. We'll see. It comes out pretty soon. It's like I think less than a month away. Yeah, it's next month sometime. Yeah, it maybe comes out in June. like May. Yeah. Yeah, I think the end of May, early June. Or that's something just like that's that. just one of those games I've been like, yeah, when it comes out, I'll get it. I'll get to it. Like it's just not. It hasn't been. I'm not worried about it. I guess. I'm kind of wondering why they did a beta for this game. Good question. I mean, look, I there's like levels that I mean, you know, it's nice. The time trials that you can create. Maybe they're testing that stuff. Yeah, maybe you need to test the leaderboard stuff. Yeah. Because God knows there've been a few games I played where the leaderboards just didn't freaking work. Yeah. Uh, just Cause Three. Yeah. Um. Like. Well, you think that would mean 
That's what, one of the oldest video game technologies is a high score chart, but apparently that's harder to do than we than we think. Yeah, it must be. So I don't know why they did. I'm glad they did. I'm glad I got to play it. And I mean, that's a big. It. I mean, I think you know, online leaderboards for that game, especially for the the challenges, is going to be important for the for the, for the fan base. Yeah. So it's nice that they're going to make sure that works. I guess if that's what they're after. At least there's some kind of connectivity in it. Yeah. It's better than nothing. So. We'll get the zero. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it may only get a one. They won't get a zero. zero. (laughs) All right, let's move on to the next topic. All right, so video game orphans. Mm -hmm. Both of us are going to pick two franchises that we feel have been left behind by its respective publisher and or developer and explain why we want the franchise to come back. Mm -hmm. Um, Matt, you're going to start. What is your first pick for orphan franchises? Well, this might be a little bit of a monkey's paw wish if it ever came true, but uh, Metroid. Metroid. So are you talking um, Prime, or are you talking like whatever, the, whatever the hell you want to give me? At You're this not point. cool with Federation Force. I don't, I don't care about because <laughs> Metroid to me is Samus. Right. Like you know, I want more Samus, and I would prefer a side-scrolling. I would prefer a you know a two D classic Metroid with um, modern graphics, basically. So would you prefer you would prefer a, a new two D Metroid over a new Prime? Yes. Made by Retro? Yes. Wow. Uh, I would not say no to yeah. a new Metroid Prime <laughs> at all. Not you know, I'm not saying that like, that would be a bad day. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, I am kind of thirsty for a for a real kind of Super Metroid with modern graphics successor kind of thing. It could um, look amazing with modern oh, technology. Oh, absolutely! Yeah. It'd be amazing. It'd be fantastic. Or I mean, I can take I can also take a Metroid Prime. How about this? How about a game that's both? Yeah. How about sections that are 2D and sections that are Prime? Like you know, one you know. And clearly, Nintendo was open to the idea because Other M had the you know the, the first person aiming, like and it had the the 3D mode. Mo- yeah, um, but yeah, basically, like, I'm sorry you made a terrible game with Other M, <laughs> but that's not the fans' fault, and you should try again and make us something good. I, st- I still don't think but like Other I say, M's a terrible game. I got I do, but um, like I said, um, Monkey's Paw wish a little bit because it's one of those things where it's just like I want a new Metroid game. Federation Force. You're like, fuck yeah. you. <laughs> that is so not what I asked for. Yeah. You know, and it's, you know, so I, I would imagine, you know, I'm sure if, you know, if a genie popped up and I said, I want a new Metroid, and they'd give me, like, I don't know, like, you know, instantly Nintendo would announce, like, you know, Metroid Crossing. And it was, it's like, an, <laughs> it's like an Animal Crossing game where you, everybody's wearing the Federation outfits and you just trade different colored Metroids. Well, the funny thing, too, about Metroid is that, you know, Nintendo, especially with Super Mario Maker, like, it's basically filtered in, like, every, like, they just put out, like, a trailer today for, like, this, like, J-pop group, like, mm-hmm. in Super Mario Maker, like... Mario Maker is clearly one of their platforms for the ages. It is so hoard out of like they're yeah. the, they're scraping the bottom of the barrel for stuff to add to that because they've run out of franchises basically, and you know they they brought like other franchises into like Mario Kart and all the and Splatoon and all these mm-hmm. games, but for some reason like it's very rare that they ever use Metroid for stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like there was never like a Samus like character for Mario Kart Eight. No, what well, was that? That was that you know. A lot of fan art surrounding the like you know it was Zelda's 25th anniversary or whatever, but it was also Metroid's. Yeah, yeah. And like and it was, got there's a lot of fan art of like parties in the background of like all the Zelda characters partying like up in like up in the foreground. It's like it's like a like Samus by herself and like a little Metroid is like holding up a little cake for yeah. her. And it's just like <laughs> the saddest thing. It's so it sad. sad. 
I mean, look, there there is kind of good reason for why we haven't seen a ton of Metroid games because, in all honesty, they really don't sell that well. No, it's it's not it's not on the level of like Mario and Zelda. It never was. Um, it looks like Star Fox. You know, yeah, like, it is. And uh, or uh, pretty much any other major Nintendo franchise. You know, there's Mario and Zelda at the top of the heap, and Pokemon. And, and Animal Crossing, I would say at this point. Maybe not in the amiibo space, that's for sure. Like, because if you look at any Toys R Us around here, it's just like just amiibo Animal Crossing yeah. section. It's but like, I'm saying like New Leaf sold like crazy yeah. for 3DS. Like it was one of Nintendo's best-selling games of this whole like generation between handheld and. And game, console game was annoying. Like, <laughs> I they, actually got hooked into that game pretty bad. Some of it, that game doesn't respect your time. It doesn't. And there's some no. weird thing. The thing that got me was um, like you can spend all your time setting up like the garden and whatever you want, and then like one day you start you open the you open the game up and someone has moved in and put their house on top of your damn yeah, garden. Yeah, I know. And I'm like, what? <laughs> Later, like, gone. You are out of here, New Leaf. Forever. Yeah. It's one of those games where I always feel like I'm just trying to game the game. Yeah. Because I don't want to yeah. actually do things the way that, like, they tell you to do them. It's like, so. it's one thing to ask me to play something about 20 minutes a day. That's cool. I still check in, talk to people. Blah, blah, blah. But, like, those games, that means, like, a constant time investment. And then when you just plop a house down on top of something that I, when you add it up, I've probably spent, like, four hours making. Like, yeah. get out. What yeah. The, well, fishing was a big part of New Leaf. Yeah. And it got to this point where I did it so much that I memorized, like, the fish patterns. So I knew, like, <laughs> the certain time of day and where on the beach to go to catch, like, the best fish. So, yeah. It, to, for me, that game has always turned into, like, I don't really enjoy doing this the way mm-hmm. Nintendo wants me to do it. But I'm so, too deep now. <laughs> yeah, it's too late. Yeah. <laughs> I'm neck deep, and I gotta keep going. So, so yeah. But yeah, I Metroid, um, I, mean, I love Metroid. I like the sci-fi premise more. I like the, you know, I love the, the Metroidvania you know, idea. I like it in Castlevania too, and uh, I like Samus as a character or a non-character, I guess, because I didn't yeah. like it when she became a character. Yeah, in, in other M. Yeah. Uh, I like the character that was as portrayed in um, uh, Prime. In uh, every other game. And everything else, except yeah. for Other M. Um, that's yeah, why so, they called it Other M. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, it's, it's a mother. It's a mother reference. Yeah. Know, the baby. The baby. The baby. The baby. The baby. Um, <laughs> oh, I hate that game. Um, <laughs> So yeah, I, I mean, I even like Metroid Pinball for that matter. Me I mean, too. Whatever, yeah. whatever like you want to throw well. at me, uh, just, just at this point, it's kind of like, please remember that Samus is a thing uh, outside of Smash Brothers. Yeah, no motion controls. I'm ascending in the next one. Although Probably I love, I love the motion controls in this game. I thought they were amazing. They're okay. I, I thought they were great, man. Like I, I literally wanted to play every console first-person shooter with the nunchuck and Wii remote after I played this, like all of them, because it was just so like. Deadly accurate. That's gonna shorten my play times then, because like I can only do that for so long before I get tired. No, really, I loved the motion controls in this game in Metroid Prime Three. I think it's better than kind of the uh, sort of half-assed first-person shooter controls they worked up for one and two on the GameCube controller. Yeah, but part of that, weird, like, part of that is just thing. because uh, that GameCube controller is not suitable for twin-stick shooting. It's like basically it's like give me a mouse and a keyboard or a, or you know two analog sticks and I'm happy. I don't need your yeah, much yeah. control shit. Um one way or the other though, I don't I don't care. I'll I'll play whatever you throw at me as long as I don't have to use, you know, some kind of weird whatever whatever the new gimmick is on the NX, like as long as that doesn't ruin it. I don't know what that's going to be, but we're going to get Metroid Mobile. I know it. It's just gonna, it's just going to be <laughs> they could, No, they announced like at that same thing that we're talking about. We'll talk about later. Like, uh, they announced Animal Crossing... Mm, like Fire Emblem. And Fire Emblem yeah. for mobile. I'm sure all the other franchises are going to 
becoming. Mm. Like, you know how they said, like, at first, like, well, we're not going to just, like, pimp out our franchises. Well, nope. <laughs> it's smart. They should. Like, yeah. that's exactly what they should be doing. But it's just funny how they quickly did an about face on that already. So, I mean, that's business. They saw, me, they saw Mitomo, and they're like, wait, if Mitomo will do this? Imagine if we gave them a game. Yeah. <laughs> what might happen? Yeah. <laughs> All right, so my first pick for Orphan Franchises And I is... almost picked this. You almost did? I almost did. I think this is a great pick. My first pick is Dino Crisis. Yes. So we're going to show you guys footage of Dino Crisis 3, which I... Yeah. Another example of just because you made a sucky one doesn't yeah. mean you shouldn't... You should just stop giving them to us. Yeah. And look, Dino Crisis 3 did suck. Yes. It was not a I, good game. I admire the audacity, because it was crazy. I remember when they it first really showed that, <laughs> Blair Butler uh, was our writer on that show, because she loved Dino Crisis 1 and 2. She's like, oh my god, what is th- like, this is the craziest thing. It's going to be amazing. Dinosaurs in space. What the hell? Yeah. And then it came out and was like, nope. <laughs> How the hell did dinosaurs get in space? Who cares? <laughs> That's Cap- literally the answer. Capcom Who cares? <laughs> So, as I've said on the show before, like, when we were talking about Far Cry Primal, and I was disappointed there were no dinosaurs in that game, I feel like dinosaurs are an unrepresented, or a misrepresented, lack of represented topic in gaming. Damn you, Turok. There's, there's not enough he dinosaurs. Hunted the, he hunted all the video game dinosaurs. Now. Yeah, I don't know what the deal is. For whatever reason, like, games just don't cover this topic enough. You know what game has pretty good dinosaurs right now? Marvel Heroes. Really? There's a Savage Land section of the game. Marvel here, you know, the Diablo yeah, style. Yeah. Savage Land section where there's like giant T-Rexes and there's like guys riding them with like blazer cannons on them. And Never would have guessed and that. And there's like, there's an aim, the, the you know, advanced idea mechanics has like these, these enemies where they've taken a T-Rex head and they've cut it off and they've grafted it onto a giant rocket. <laughs> and they're, called, they're called Rex rockets and they're just like, it's a giant rocket with missiles and it just got, has a T-Rex head on the front so when it jumps and hits, when it hits you, it just bites you. <laughs> It's a fa- it's and it holds on and explodes. Yeah, it can do That's that. If you great. get hit by it, it'll just ram through you like that. Marvel Heroes, guys, like you're missing out. It's the best Marvel game ever made. Yeah, so great I, dinosaurs. I still lament the fact that, like, you know, Resident Evil Four came along and kind of reinvented the series, and then mm-hmm. Dino Crisis never got to reap the rewards of that shift. Yeah, even though I think Dino Crisis came 2, out after. Well, Dino Crisis Two, I think, prefigures. Uh, Resident Evil 4 in some ways because Dino Crisis 2 was you know Dino Crisis 1 was literally Resident Evil with dinosaurs right. whereas Dino Crisis 2 like really adopted some uh, action game mechanics for it, did, it. Yeah. it was it, you know you, it, you you were able to refill your ammo easier there was like more emphasis on automatic weapons because you're fighting these fast like predator pack predators you had to be able to be do, to do that and like it it turned it in kind of more of a it differentiated it from the usual survival horror thing so it was you had a lot of weapons on your hands but you also had much tougher enemies to deal with in kind of a Resident Evil camera situation. Yeah. Um, and I was always disappointed that, like, you know, the way Resident Evil 4 played with a little bit of tweaking, I mean, hell, Resident Evil 6 would be a pr- If you just swapped everything out, that would be a pretty good Dino Crisis game. It would be, yeah, you're right. So, <laughs> and it's, like, it's not like dinosaurs aren't popular. They'll always Jurassic be Jurassic World just made a never, billion dollars. Like, yeah. People are thirsty for the dinosaurs, Capcom. Well, it's never going to change because there's always kids who love right. dinosaurs who are going to grow up and become teenagers who love dinosaurs. Yep. And then adults who love dinosaurs like me. Mm-hmm. So I would love to see it. I, I like the fact that it had a similar play style to Resident Evil, but it had its own tone, but still was kind of scary. Mm-hmm. Um, it was more of like a thriller than a horror game, I guess. Regina was a good character, it. I thought. Yeah. Uh, I really enjoyed the first two Dino Crisis games. The third one sucked. I think everyone mm-hmm. can agree with that. Um, but you don't have to let one bad game like kill an entire series. Yeah. 
You gotta know when you have a good idea and you just executed poorly. Yeah, and I feel like that happens a lot in the industry in general, where like one game just has a bad outing and like you never see it Mm -hmm. again. Like we could see it with Dead Space. Like I love that franchise, and then they put out one bad game, and now I wonder if like we'll ever see it again. Well, I mean, it's also true in like TV and movies and all. You know, it's like any time you end up in an industry where suddenly you're spending that kind of money on any of these projects, no one ever wants to touch a project that could be not a sure thing again. Even though the only way you get stuff that blows up and gets huge is when you try things that aren't sure things and haven't been done before and don't have track. I mean, Resident Evil, yeah, Resident Evil is based off of, you know, basically on Sweet Home, or uh, Sweet Home and, uh, you know, it takes a lot of cues from Alone in the Dark, but like, it's not like there was a booming industry for that kind of game back in 1996, and it, it exploded. You know, that's how you get these hits. I think if Capcom you showed Dino Crisis 4 at E3, it would be huge. Yeah. I think people would freak out. I'd like, rather see that than another attempt to make Resident Evil playable. I think you're right, actually. Or another attempt to like make Resident Evil a scary game. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what... You'd have to go way back to the start for that. Yeah. At this point. Or make... I mean, I mean, a Resident Evil that was more like an Outlast kind of thing, there's potential yeah. there. I think. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, but I don't think that'll ever happen until no. Mikami works on the game again, and that's not happening. So I just think with Resident Evil, you're going to keep heading down that same path that it's been on. Yeah. So. And I'm, I'm surprised, like, no one, you know, in this indie game Brave New World, like, no one's really tried to do a Dino Crisis alike. Yeah. You know, you've got the survival-style games like Ark and uh, the stuff like, you know, Orion Dino Beatdown or whatever the... <laughs> Whatever, you know, those kind of, you know, multiplayer things, but, like, no one really has attempted to do an action horror, you know, Jurassic Park the game, basically. Yeah. I mean, they did that with Telltale, but that certainly wasn't any scratching any kind of Dino Crisis. That's for sure, yeah. Or any kind of any itch. Really. Yeah, for that matter. Um, but it's like, that seems, it, that seems like a wide-open uh, niche that's waiting to be filled. Yep, and maybe Capcom will fill it. Who knows? It'll be great. But I haven't heard a rumbling about Dino Crisis from no. anybody in forever. I think I think Dino Crisis is destined to be the resi- the survival horror equivalent of Darkstalkers. It could be. Like you're just never gonna see it again. Yep. And they had a lot of requests for that too. Yeah, but uh, I've heard that that's not gonna. Happen. They still tease that every once in a while, well, though. Yoshinori Ono, the guy who produces all the St- Street Fighter games, like really loves Darkstalkers right. and wants to do it, but I don't think they're ever gonna let him do it. And especially they were they released Capcom like Capcom has to put out something, man. Like they're they're devoted to Street Fighter Five at this point. Like, but you can't just you can't run a whole publisher with one game. Like that's what Capcom has turned into. It's like okay, we have this game now. Mm-hmm. Like, think back to last gen or the gen before, even crazier. All the games that Capcom was putting out and new IP and new ideas, not just all sequels. Yeah. Like, well, they've got a ton of stuff in the vault. They just don't exploit. One of the other games I thought about picking for this was Maximo. Yeah. That's a good what one. What happened to that game? You know, and, and by extension, Ghosts and Ghouls Goblins. And, yeah, Ghouls and Ghosts, Ghosts and Goblins. So what, where's, where the hell is that game? Hell, do a Dark Souls with I mean, Ghosts and Goblins. Ghosts be, and Goblins has the difficulty pedigree. Why not just do I mean, let's that? be honest. Isn't Ghosts and Goblins really like the progenitor of Dark Souls? A little bit. I mean, it I really think, is. Even Maximo was pretty tough. Oh, Maximo was very tough. Yeah. And like... Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think you do go back... If you go back far enough, I think Dark Souls has a lot of its roots in... Um, both Ghosts and Goblins and Castlevania, yeah, which was for sure. people forget was hard as nails yeah, back it was in the hard NES as nails. Yeah, I had to memorize the whole game basically. Yeah, yeah. and like and, you know, some people are like, oh, Castlevania had shitty controls. No, Castlevania had intentionally difficult controls. Yeah. You are supposed to get hit in midair, fall back, jump backwards, and fall down the bottomless pit. They knew you were going to do that. Yeah, exactly. 
So like, and Ghosts and Goblins, I'm like, you know, I love that game. And I mean, I like Ghouls and Ghosts. I don't know if I would say Goblins. I love either one of those games. I used to, look I, when I first started. There was this arcade that my friends and I started going to when I was like seven or eight. Yeah, we would ride our bikes to this. It was a very not a great part of town. Uh, but that's where the arcade was between the the, the donut shop that's and, where the, the arcade and the Seven Eleven. Yeah. It was, you know, <laughs> you know, that's where it was. It was you know it was basically gang territory. But fuck, you know, whatever. You they got, didn't you, play video games. Got, <laughs> oh sure, they did. They were all there. But it, but it was like neutral territory. Everybody right. wanted to play a fucking game. You know. Yeah. Like eventually, it got to the point where they started settling conflicts over NBA Jam. I was surprised that they didn't. The opposite didn't happen. They played NBA Jam and they went outside oh, and shot too. each other. Yeah, that, that happened too. But it was but it was more often. It was like, it was like all right, we're gonna we have a we have a disagreement. We're gonna play some play some jam. It's like breakdancing in the eighties. Sorta, yeah, we'll a little battle break, dancing. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we used to ride our bikes over there because that was the only arcade in in range that had uh, Ghosts and Goblins, uh-huh. and we would just waste money. You know, just and waste quarters. is the right waste word. is the right word. Yeah, <laughs> and I still remember the first time someone because it was new, it was pretty much brand new there, and I still remember the first time someone. Because uh, that was a game, even though it was single player, like you, you know, there used to be the quarters up for yeah. people. You know, kids, you, everybody would give a shot, and like well, you I remember, knew they were gonna die in ten right. seconds. And I remember so. one night, one guy finally, like one of the, I think it was the, one of the owners of the arcade, finally got to the end, and like because periodically people would get to the end and they try to beat that crazy Satan yeah. boss, and like it would, it would just like they get killed. It would be yeah. up and um, finally, he beat him, and we're like, "Yeah, oh my, like, wow, Leaf beat the game!" And like, and it's like, "Go do it again!" Yeah, and I was like, <laughs> "And like, he he just like he just like walked away. He yeah, just went home. Right. He literally went, got in his car, and drove away." Like, <laughs> That's why I'm saying, like, that game is like the progenitor of Dark Souls. Yeah. It's like brutally difficult, and like, you think you've beaten it, and then it says, "Uh-uh," like you haven't beaten anything yet. Like, yep. yeah. To me, that was like the first game that. Reminds me of like a modern Dark Souls. Like looking back on my childhood and my early years playing games, like the kids who are playing Dark Souls now, they shouldn't be. Because hmm. <laughs> it's an M rated game. <laughs> you're really bad. Or, or you're like, just, mostly it's bad because you're going to like ruin their self esteem forever. It's yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> They're in the same place I was when I was playing like Ghouls and Ghosts mm-hmm. back in the day. So it's pretty interesting to see that. But uh, so, what, Matt, what's your second pick? My second pick is. Uh... Suikoden. Suikoden. Uh, RPG series from Konami in the uh, mid to late 90s. Um, Suikoden one I really enjoyed. I just played it again a couple years ago, or last year or two years ago. Whenever it hit PSN as one of their classics, I played it again. I played Suikoden 2 again. Suikoden 2 might be the greatest JRPG ever made. Um, certainly the best like epic military story that I've played in any of those games. Suikoden 3 I really liked. Uh, Suikoden 4 is terrible and Suikoden 5 is pretty good. This is Suikoden um, 5 we're showing, by the yeah, way. Yeah, Suikoden 5 is, is all right. Suikoden 5 is uh, not the pinnacle of the series, but it sure as hell beats 4. Yeah. Um, I love uh, the Suikoden games because they tell kind of a novel-structured, sort of epic, Tolstoy-ish, like, you know, military epic story, uh, as opposed to kind of the anime series season structure that, like, Final Fantasy VII started. Yeah. Um, and I, it's got, you know, cast of, you know, you, you have 108 characters to recruit to your size, 108, the stars of Destiny, there's 108 in every game, including your character and your, you know, your core group. And, um, you know, there's a lot of pretty clever ways you have to go about, like, recruiting a lot of them, and some of it's, you know, classic game designers like, oh, did you not, like, look at this box twice when you were in this... City for the first time in the first like oh <laughs> no. you, can, you can never get this guy fourteen hours later sorry yeah. you know, it's like, <laughs> so there's a, you know play it with a guide I'm not you know yeah it's <laughs> worth know, it but um 
I love these games, and I would play you know, whatever you want to throw. Well, any, anything anyone wanted to throw at me that was circuit in based, uh, but uh, do you I think never... they'll work in the modern age? I think it depends on how you do it. I mean, I mean, they're kind of tackling the same problem with Final Fantasy VII right yeah, now. Yeah, I mean, I would I would say keep it kind of old schooly in a sense. I mean, I guess turn based kind of... combat. Yeah, turn based combat, or at least like you know a tactical combat system, sort of like the Grandia games did. Because that was one of the other interesting things about Circuit End is you uh, typically had uh, six people in your party at a oh, time. Yeah, yep. And everybody could do kind of cross, you know, team up attacks and stuff. So you had a, a kind of a larger team to work with uh, than you normally would. And that's also where, you know, you always had a castle or something to build and you'd recruit people and they'd build up new sections of the castle. And so by the end you had this huge army kind of in this fully functional fortress that you'd built up. And it was, it was a lot of fun. And, I mean, I'm sure I'll never see another one of them because it's Konami. And you know maybe maybe we'll get a circuit and pachinko game one day, but like you know I, I feel <laughs> there like probably already is one. I feel like this is probably over. You know this is this is a this is, this orphan is going to grow up on his own forever from now on. <laughs> but this is one of my favorite games. No from foster that era. parents for him. No, it's one of my favorite games of the PlayStation One era, and I still did enjoy the PlayStation Two ones for the most part. Yeah, I mean considering it's a Konami game, like the chances of getting another one of these is like. Psh. Yep. I mean, pretty, chances of getting pretty, pretty low. Getting another RPG out of Konami, period. The yeah. chances of that to me are especially because I mean these things. The Sukaden games were never popular, really. Yeah. You know, I mean, I remember Sukaden Two. Sukaden Two was worth like two, three hundred dollars for a long. time. I was actually time. just about to ask you that. Which Sukaden was it that just was two. worth the ton of money? One as well, I mean, they're all worth something, and especially one, but especially one and two, and especially two because two, I guess, only had one printing. And they didn't make a lot of them because they knew it was going to sell a lot. But it's you know, widely considered one of the best JRPGs of the era. And until they you know put it up for PSN, it was it commanded a ridiculous secondary market price. How I much did it drop once they put it up? It's still like hundred over a hundred, I Is think. It? I mean, collectors want the physical item in their, yeah, yeah, in their collection sure. yeah. still, so it's not like it's worthless. But you know, it's it's less than it was when that was the only way to play it outside of like some kind of piracy situation. Right. Um, and I, you know, I own the the original. I bought I bought it at Fry's. I still remember buying it at Fry's. Like when it was uh, new. When it was new, the day it came out, I was like, gotta get Suikoden. Yeah. And um, oh wow, the box art's way better than the terrible thing on the first one. Um, <laughs> anyone who remembers the fir- box art on the first Suikoden, oh, it was like the height of like you remember like back in the day when like they wouldn't use like the Japanese box art. They'd draw some horrible thing yeah. from like some like bargain basement like Western yep. thing, and it wouldn't even be, like be related to the yeah, to the yeah. actual content of the game. It was, it was. This was one of those things, and you're like, and like it's like around like a symbol that didn't mean anything. It was, yeah. it was not. I mean, it wasn't as bad as like the Mega Man old man cover from right. the NES <laughs> days, but it was pretty bad. And um, so, so like I remember picking that up and just being like, oh, this is amazing. It's great. But I still, I to this day, I can physically see my hand picking it up off the shelf. Wow. Sukin and two is out. Wow. Yeah. Like I was so excited, but I knew I was the only one. <laughs> In fact, I think it might have been the only one on the shelf. I think it was like oh really? It was like no, they didn't order any of them. You know, it was, yeah. Which it, is why it's worth money. You still have that copy from that oh, day yeah. that you picked it up off oh, the yeah. shelf. That's awesome. Would never get rid of that. It's one of my favorite games of all time. On the flip side, 
really good art. Like the Atari Twenty Six Hundred carts had amazing. Oh art. yeah, and there's that ta coffee table book coming out. Oh really? There's a coffee table. I just yeah, there's a coffee table book coming out of all those Atari Twenty Six Hundred cartridge art. Really? Thing. Yeah, those super crazy detailed things that were like, which was brilliant psychology because when you're playing those like impossible like Rorschach tests of game of a game graphics, but I'm picturing like that oh, crazy yeah. super realistic basketball you know like art like in the my head. The one that worked the most it. for me was Yar's Revenge. Oh yeah, yeah. Like the art on that is amazing. And it to I mean, look, we were kind of used to that from Space Invaders. Right. The cabinet for Space Invaders is so freaking incredible. Those weird creatures holding like the lightning bolts, like mm -hmm. raining them down. Like, and you're like, is that what that's supposed to be? Yeah. yeah. It's so funny. You got people are so spoiled now. Like, we used yeah. to have to use our imagination to figure well, out what it's supposed to be in well, these the Atari games. Well, the Atari 2600 box art was... Sometimes that was the only way you could possibly tell what it was supposed to be in oh, the game. Oh, yeah, for sure, like, yeah. It was like, oh, I guess that's what it was. Okay. <laughs> that's a guy in a trench coat. Sure. I don't know. You know. Yeah. But, no, there's a coffee table book coming of all all that art with, like, the interviews with the artists and, like, wow. explanations of what they are. And so it's, it's, there's a, there's a web... I miss I that somehow. I can't remember what it's called. There's a, there's a website. Uh, I'm down. I'm buying that. Where you book. can go and look at that and see like the book. In I progress. wouldn't mind even getting like you know prints of some of that stuff to like oh, hang yeah, on the walls yeah. because a lot of people would see that and not even realize what it is mm -hmm. unless they were like us and they played the Atari Twenty Six Hundred. They'd just be like, "That's cool art." Yeah. Well, I wonder like if you know if, if any of it's like famous you know retro stuff. Some people might look at it and be like, "Oh, it's cool. Somebody made art based on Yars." It's like, no, that was what that was what we had to use <laughs> to understand what Yars' Revenge was about. Yeah. Oh, the good old days. So, yeah. <laughs> Suikoden, please. Never going to happen. Yep. Probably. Konami, sell your damn properties off to someone who's going to do something with them. I mean, that could happen. It could. It could come they, to they a could place THQ where it. Konami is like, look, we have all these IPs. We're never going to do anything with them. We might as well just they sell them. they're never going to do anything with Suikoden. Or at least just license them out. Yeah, it's just it's too niche to even... I mean, so clearly Konami wants like massive hits or massive hits of cash. And Suikoden is never going to give you that. Well, for instance, look at what Square Enix is doing with their kind of incubation program. Like, um, basically what they allowed to do, allowed a couple indie developers to do is make a new Fear Effect. Mm -hmm. And it's not like the Fear Effects that we played. It's like an isometric, like, strategy game or something like that. But it still uses the same character, same aesthetic. They said there's not going to be any lesbian action in it, though. They're cutting that out. <laughs> well, then they're not the same characters, are they? They're not. You're right. <laughs> Which isn't that crazy, though, because... You know, it was really controversial back whenever mm -hmm. in the PlayStation era when they did that. Now it wouldn't be a big deal at all. And they're like, yeah. we're not doing it. It's like, <laughs> maybe it's smart. I don't know. Were there, but, were there two of those? or Two. Two, yeah. yeah. And then there was three, but they got canceled. Right. That's right. Okay. Yep. So, I mean, you're seeing Square Enix doing that. Like, it has mm -hmm. this IP that it owns. It's really smart. And it knows it's not doing anything with it. And so it starts, like, this indie incubation program where it basically says, hey, pitch us on ideas for our IPs if we like one and you are qualified and can turn out a great game, mm -hmm. we'll give you the IP and let you do it, we'll split the revenues, everybody's happy. So, who, do we, who do we pitch to Sega about a Panzer Dragoon side? Exactly, remake? yeah, exactly. Can you imagine that like that game done with modern tech? No, like, I know. That would be incredible. Like, like, honestly, they could just remake that game. They could. Yeah. I think it just the visuals fine. of that would like would sell it. And I think the company, I, I do still have a Saturn, it still works, and, yeah. and I... I think uh, you know, when you play that game, I think that combat system still works. It does, yeah. I'd be totally down with it. So it could happen. Like, yeah. you know, Square Enix is a Japanese company. Konami's Japanese. Like, yeah. you know, sometimes that's, what... that's, how it ha that's how it works. Like, all the publishers in Japan look at what everyone else is doing, and one person kind of breaks the mold, or one publisher kind of breaks the mold and goes for it, and then the other publishers are like, hmm. we could do that. All right. We could do that, Maybe. too. 
I mean, my other pick for that that I, I you know, in, in terms of a total lost cause games, my other pick was going to be uh, Dragon Force. Yeah. Which, granted, was only a series in Japan because right. the second one yeah. never came here. Yeah. But I probably put like 500 hours into that game on the Saturn, and like, yes, I would do that again. I'd do a Dragon Force in a modern, even if it was just like on a tablet. Like, just just port the original game to a tablet. I'll give yeah. you 10 bucks for it. I don't care. That series is never going to find a home. No. It's going to be an orphan forever. No one, no one remembers that, that game. Sorry to pour water on that, but I think you knew that already. The only reason you should apologize for pouring water on it is for wasting water. Yeah. <laughs> There's nothing to put out. Yeah. All right, so my last pick is Prince of Persia. Mm. And uh, I. There's a mm, game that got lost mm. in the uh, Assassin's Creed revolution. But it. And that's the thing. So, you know, when I was. Kind of figuring out what game I was going to pick for for this topic or games, I was uh, there's lots of old franchises that I'm like, oh, it sucks that that's not here anymore. But then you look at the actual game and you realize that like, okay, well, there's X, Y, and Z game that exists now that are like it already. Mm-hmm. And so while I like the character and I like the IP, at the end of the day, I'm really just hoping that they bring back the character and not necessarily the game itself. Mm. Prince of Persia, on the other hand, though, is a game that has very unique gameplay mechanics and systems in it, like the whole ability to mess with time. And look, time messing with time isn't anything new. We've talked about blanks so many times before Blank. on the show. Um, you know, with Super Hot, obviously a game that just came mm-hmm. out where you manipulate time, but still, there's no other game that does it the way that Prince of Persia does, where it literally like will tear apart a whole level and rewind the whole thing, like. Put the level back together, like, in real time, like, right in front of your eyeballs. So, I feel like this is a franchise, and look, it did get, towards the end, you know, a little played out. Like, it got to the point where they were putting them out, like Assassin's Creed, like, every other year, mm-hmm. or every year. And and this one was kind of like the last straw, I think. Like, this is where they really went kind of crazy, and had, like, the whole team-up mechanics with, like, the sidekick, and the cel-shaded graphics, which were gorgeous, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, but... I feel like this game, the gameplay mechanics, the systems in it are still relevant, could still be great today. I still love the character. I still love the aesthetic. There's no other games that are like have this Arabian theme to them. Like It's still a really unique game in almost every facet, like the way the, the plot, the mechanics, the premise, the tone, the canon. Everything about it hasn't been done by other games, and that's why I chose this franchise because it's, to me, this was kind of hard, to be honest with you. Like... You start looking back through the old franchises, and you're like, oh, that game wasn't as good as, like, I thought it was back when I played it. Like, now that I've played it again, it wasn't that good. Like, you know, just characters have Mm -hmm. changed so much in 20 years. Like, it used to be you could make a red... Like, look at Kirby. He's a pink ball. (laughs) You think you could launch a game today and say, go into the pitch meeting and be like, okay, I've got it. Or like like a Kickstarter. The character's a green square. (laughs) Like... You can't do that anymore. And, like, so a lot of those old characters really weren't all that great. They were just, like, the first video game characters. Well, so Kirby was a placeholder. Right. They just never came up with anything better. Yep, exactly. <laughs> like, you can't get away with that stuff anymore. But I feel like this is, like, the opposite of that. It, it Everything about Prince of Persia could still be relevant today. And I feel like mm-hmm. with the new technology, the stuff they could do with the time mechanics would just probably blow our freaking minds. Um, I just... There's a quantum break I would play. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's another one that messes with time, Quantum Break. Mm-hmm. And playing like playing Quantum Break, like you kind of see what the possibilities are yeah. now with hard drives and all the extra stuff, the processing power and the GPUs that you have at your disposal, um, online, just the whole connectivity, the cloud, like just all the stuff that you could do 
with the new technology with this franchise. Like, I just think it would be great. I don't know if it's viable for Ubisoft at this point because it kind of just lost steam by the mm-hmm. time it released the last one. I, I wonder if there's room in their brain for Prince of Persia while Assassin's Creed still kind of rules the roost. Yeah. I, I think they'd consider them too redundant. I guess, um, which I don't think is correct. Yeah, I mean, I don't think like, they're, other than being action adventures, they're... Action adventures in which you use a sword, probably, and you wear robes. Yeah, I mean, those I, are I, really I, the only similarities. Right. Um, but, like, again, like, I think they see, you know, especially because I think Assassin's Creed, in part, grew out of some ideas for Prince of Persia, I wonder if they're just never going to be able to separate those two. Whereas, like, you're like, well, you don't seem to think your own portfolio is too crowded with uh, guys in tactical uniforms right. with guns. So what's you know, or open world games in which you collect uh, phones. So well, like, why can't we have a couple of games where a guy uses a sword and reverses time? I mean, this game was really far ahead of its time. I mean, just oh, the yeah. whole wall running and the traversal in the game, like everything about it. And again, Assassin's Creed didn't do that. Like, you can't wall run in yeah. Assassin's Creed. Like. And it still works. And it could be the franchise that turns into, like, the franchise that comes out when mm. Assassin's Creed doesn't come out. Now that Ubisoft is pulling back on Creed a little bit, like, this could be the franchise that... And then you also run into the problem of, like, the Prince of Persia, like, HD collection or whatever didn't sell very well. Right. But the reason it didn't sell very well, at least in part, is because they were terrible half ass ports of the PC versions. Right. Yeah. Uh, they weren't done upright. So, but again... You know, a lot of times publishers will not blame the real reasons for why these things happen. They're just like, oh, well, no one cares about Prince of Persia. Well, no one cares about Prince of Persia if you're going to do it like that. Yeah, exactly. So, but, but that's a distinction you rarely get to see in a boardroom, it seems. Yep. So those are our picks for orphan franchises that we'd like to see finding a foster home somehow, some way. Uh, share your picks in the comments underneath this episode. I'm interested to see if... Uh, there's some that we really missed, but those are kind of the two that really stuck out for me. Mm-hmm. Um, there's tons, but yeah. like I said, I thought about a lot of them, and it's like yeah, in terms of stuff that will like would make the jump properly today, like you got to think about it harder. Yeah, the older I get, too, like my rose-tinted nostalgia glasses don't work quite as well as they used mm-hmm. to. <laughs> like even like five or six years ago, I had a lot of uh, a lot of heart for a lot of older franchises that now I kind of see for what they are or what mm-hmm. they were really when they first came out. But you know, because everything was so new and fresh and you kind of get blinded by it a lot of times and so that's why a lot of the franchises that i thought initially that i would end up putting into this i ended up not so yeah share us your picks share uh, your picks with us in the comments uh, interested to see what some of you guys think um but yeah it's time to move on to the next topic neo neo so matt you know how much i love the dark souls bloodborne <laughs> franchises <laughs> Not not a lot. Nope. Not not so much. You you also know that I actually in fact do love Ninja Gaiden. Yep. And have played have played every Ninja Gaiden. Not just played them, played some of them several times over and over again. Um, worked on the documentary for Ninja Gaiden Sigma. Spent two and a half three weeks with Team Ninja. Have this personal relationship with Yosuke Hayashi and. And I actually just went back and forth with Itagaki-san on Facebook a couple weeks ago. Um, so, you know, the, the Team Ninja's games hold a little bit more for me than a lot of other developers' games do. But 
Itagaki used to carry your Ninja Gaiden X-Play review around on, on his phone so he could watch it whenever he needed, needed a, a boost in his... <laughs> when he was down, he yeah. was feeling down. He needed to remember <laughs> that somebody loved him. And so, Neo, which is what we're about to talk about, is an open beta right now. Any of you watching this or listening to this can go and download it right now for your PlayStation 4. As of right now, it is a PlayStation 4 exclusive. Mm. Um, I would not be surprised if eventually it does come to other platforms, at the very least PC. I don't know about Xbox One. <laughs> who knows? In a year from now, who knows what the Xbox One will even be? Um, so, probably the generic way to describe this game is it's Ninja Gaiden crossed with Dark Souls. At least that's what I sort thought. Of. That's it's, what I thought. It's Dark Souls featuring samurai starring Geralt of Rivia. Yeah. Or as I like to call it, Geralt goes Kawaiian. I, <laughs> I would say that this is one of the most shameless... Least original oh, it's, games. It's not even pretending. I have played maybe <laughs> ever. It is. It is. If you handed this to me and told me it was made by From Software, I'd probably believe you. It is shameless how much this game rips off every okay, other game. Okay, look, dodge is on the X button, not the circle button. Yeah. Totally original. <laughs> that said, I do like it. You like it. For the most part, except uh, there's weapon degradation, and the degradation happens too fast, and there's no way to repair them at shrines. I never even I noticed that, that there was weapon degradation. Well, because I, I have a very methodical approach to these games, and so I went and I killed the one guy, and the first guy, and I moved, and I'm like, oh, I have enough souls to, to or what, I don't know what, they're, what there's they're some, there's some the word orbs. for them. Yeah. I call them souls in Bloodborne, too. Yeah. I don't care what you call it them. It doesn't matter, souls. yeah. I went back to the shrine, and I upgraded my character, did my thing, and came back. Oh, the guy's, you know, just like, because it's Dark Souls, the, everybody's back. Yeah. So I go kill the guy again, and went over, and there's another two, two more guys. Uh, oh, they, they killed me. So I went back, got my souls back, killed the first guy, got my souls back, killed the next guy, killed that guy, killed the two guys. Okay, we're good. Go up to the next guy, kill the next guy. All right, well, I got enough souls to go upgrade. So I went back, upgrade again. So after I'd done this a few, you know, slowly kind of inching forward, upgrading to like, you know, you're banking your souls, yeah. is what you're doing. So you're making sure you get to keep that keep little it. power. Yeah, what you earned, yeah. Um, and by the time I got to the top of the hill, it's like, oh, your sword is like broken. Like, you're, like you're, you're the, the, the durability is down, so you're only doing like half damage. And I'm like, so I picked up like a whetstone, which fixed it, but now I'm like still kind of doing the, the repetitive sort of clear them out, go back, bank your souls, clear them out thing. And like, my sword's broken. So now I, all I got is a spear, and I have no way to fix the sword. And like, when the spear runs out, I don't know what I'm going to do. Well, <laughs> like, you can get axes, there's weapons. You get other, other place, weapons, so. but it's like if you like a particular weapon and want to stick with it. I mean, demons, I, hate, I hate weapon yeah, degradation. I, hate, I don't it like it at all anyway. But I hate it. I don't think it's that realistic. Yeah, I guess, I mean, like, if, it's if, not going to break. If a sword like wore down that much that fast, like like how would you even get a battle done? You yeah. Know? And also, it's like I've, everything's magic in this. Who cares? Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, Demon Souls had had weapon and armor degradation in it that you could get repaired. At least then you could go back to like the thing and get get it repaired. But like. Um, the problem I have with it is like Dark Souls. After one game, they figured out it's like, oh, that's no fun. So like your your weapons and armor and Dark Souls replenish their durability when you go to a bonfire. When you rest, yeah. Uh, and that's not the case here. And I'm already kind of hitting the point where I feel like I'm under pressure by that. At the very least, they need to make whetstones drop more often from the enemies or yeah. something. If they're if they're married to the idea of degradation. That said, it does play pretty much like a more agile version of Dark Souls. And I'll tell you this: the th- one of the things that really like like makes me happy in it is you when you hold R one and you can like hit the buttons to uh, to switch your stance. Yep. So you got like 
Square is middle, X is low stance, triangle is high stance, and they all have different uses depending on what you're fighting, what you're trying to do. But circle makes you like clean your blade off and like spin it and throw it in your, in your, yeah. in your scabbard. I'm like, you like fin- finish like a fight and you're all covered in blood and you hit that button and you like cleans the, cleans the blade and slides it back in. I'm just like, yeah. yeah. Like, that's, that's what I'm here for. The one thing I would say about it is that I do see Team Ninja touches in this. Yes. Whereas in the last couple yes. games that it's worked on, like, they just looked like, those games just seemed to me like they could have been made by any developer. Mm-hmm. But I can see the Team Ninja DNA in this game in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, but at the same time... It's really Dark Souls. It really is, yeah. <laughs> it is, yeah. I mean, there's like the little touches, like the bloody swords and things like that, and uh, the way he runs with his sword, mm-hmm. and just, there's little things, because, you know... Team Ninja is very concerned about history and, and being historically accurate in its games. Like when we did the documentary with them, like a lot of the days that we shot with them, we would go to like shrines where they would like pay homage to their ancestors and like they're very much wrapped up in Japanese tradition. And it does come through in their games a lot. And that's one of the things that I like about their games. And you can see a little taste of that in this. But and so, look, I'm a big fan of Ninja Gaiden's combat. I always have been. And the reason I like Ninja Gaiden's com- combat, and I'm not a big fan of Dark Souls or Demon Souls or, or even Bloodborne, for that matter, is because it just doesn't feel as quick and visceral and responsive as Ninja Gaiden. Mm-hmm. And this game, I feel like it tries to make it feel that way. But I just felt like I was just fighting with the controls, like, all the way in this game. Like, you click down, like, the right stick to lock onto the enemy, but it doesn't, like, really lock onto the enemy. Like, you, like, the enemy will attack, you'll block or you'll parry, but then when you go to counterattack, it doesn't hit the enemy. Like, I could hardly ever get it to actually make contact with the enemy. And the enemy sometimes would be, like, a foot away, and I'm still locked onto the guy. And I would just block and go to attack him. I hit him with the first one, and the second one would just, like, miss. Like, hmm. I didn't run into that. First time I booted up, I go to the first guy, kill him with no problem, go to that group of two guys, kill both of those guys, no problem, go down over the hill, down into this flat part. Guy's got an axe. He walks up to me. I go to block. He just he hacks right through my block and kills me with one shot. So go back, respawn, restart. Go to the first guy. This time I go to fight the, the first guy, and he's like a completely different enemy. Like, instead of just attacking and then me attacking, all of a sudden he's like little Johnny Nimble Feet. Like, he's hopping all over the place and, like, like feigning like he's going to come in and attack, like, getting me to, like, put my block up, and then he doesn't come in, and then as soon as I put my block down, like, he hacks me, like... It was just weird. The first time I played it, I walked right through that guy. I walked through the next group of guys, got down to the next part, died. And then the next time, like, the first guy that I fight all of a sudden is, like, superhuman. And, like, way better than he was, like, the first time. Like, I, I don't know if I've ever seen anything like that before. I don't even know if it changed or, like, I just... I've seen stuff like that before. Or it's I just, called Dark Souls. Is it like that? Every once in a while you run into, like, oh, this guy I've killed, like, a hundred times. All of a sudden... Does this, something he's, different. He's, like, just taking... He's just, like, suddenly he got a shot on me. And I'm like, what the... Okay, he's just... Something about their rhythm gets a little off. They mix it up once in a while. So, like, you know, and if there's anybody that's going to pick up on that trend, it's Team Ninja. Cause, yeah. You know, that used to happen in Ninja Gaiden to me as well. It's like, it's like I've killed this dude like 400 bosses times and like all of a sudden he'd figure that out. I'd yeah, you'd bosses. get easy easy versions of bosses sometimes just in the sense that they'd sort of sit there. Or they just get in, like, or... locked into some animation routine and you'd be able to, like, almost cheese yeah. them. 
That but, first was that first guy with the nunchucks on in Ninja Gaiden. Like, like I've probably played that boss fight like probably I don't know thirty times, and, and it's least. different every damn time. Like yeah, you never right. know what he's gonna do to you. No, you're right, and uh, you can see that in some of this. Except it's not a boss. It's like the rank and file enemies yeah. are like nah, that. That's Dark Souls. I mean, they're that kind of thing, you know. And there is a little bit of uh, um, Onimusha to this game, a little bit, I think. In um, what way? Just the traditional just setting? Kind of the traditional setting and kind of like, you know, the, the sword play and, and gathering the souls and stuff. I mean, there is, there is a, tr- a, a pedigree of that in there. Um, but it's obviously much more Dark Souls than anything else. Um, my thing with it was just the degradation in the weapons, I think, like, short-circuited how I prefer to play this style of game. And also, because not because degradation's there at all, but because it happened so fast. Like my sword was dead by the time I got to the top of the top of the mountain. What the yeah. hell? And then like you're starting to fight guys that you really need to use like blocking and, and stuff on. And like I'm just much better with the sword than I am with the spear or the axe. So I didn't, I didn't, I don't want to switch. I'm already um, seeing the get good comments in the chat. Like it's not about getting good, and I don't even think that like people. The only pro, the only difficulty issue I've had with this game so far is. Uh, Trying to break my Dark Souls control habits, like yeah. I keep hitting circle to dodge, right, right. which is not dodge, so yeah. that doesn't help. And um, uh, I got used to square and triangle being attacked pretty quick. But the thing is, when I played melee in Dark Souls, I tend to hold the shield, and then I don't let go of shield when I attack. Yeah. But in uh, Neo, uh, you you can't attack while you're guarding. Yeah. Which I guess makes sense because your your sword is your guard, right? So you can't like guard and then attack at the same time because that doesn't make any sense. But so I'm I'm having to learn to uh, to take my hand off block before I do an attack. Right. Um, the whole get good thing drives me crazy because I feel like people who play like the Souls games or whatever they think that they're like these superior like gamers. I don't think it's like getting good at all. I don't think it's like you're better with your hand-eye coordination than like people who don't yeah. enjoy the game. It's you're patient and you will memorize the enemy attacks. It's well, like it's understanding the systems more than being good at, at like the moment-to-moment gameplay. I think it's just well, funny like, that the whole catchphrase of like people who or the label that people put on people who don't like the Souls games or Bloodborne is like get good. Like you're not good. It's not that you're not good. It's like either you have the patience. For this type of game, or you mm-hmm. don't. Well, also it's because uh, a lot of the challenge comes in how they work and knowing how they work, and you either uh, you have the time and effort to put in to to understand that, or you don't care, which is different than being good or not being good. And it's like, look, I went back and played every Souls game uh, this past week because I went back to try because uh, I went back to Bloodborne and I went back to Dark Souls three, and then there was a sale on Dark Souls two. Uh, PC version, so I bought that for like 13 bucks, and I played that for a while, and then I'm like, oh, I'm gonna play Dark Souls one because I, I hadn't played it on PC ever. I'd always always played the the consoles I played. So well, I, Dark Souls one on PC when it launched was a disaster. Oh, it's terrible. But I put in DS Fix and all the stuff I need to put in, and like you know, it's, it's improved. So I played that for. I'm like, oh, let's go. And I ended up going back and playing Demon Souls, which I couldn't get anywhere in when it first came out, and I played for three hours and never died once. I yeah. like just plowed through the whole thing because <laughs> I understood how it worked now. Well, like, yeah, the first Demon Souls was so obtuse. Yeah, man. it didn't tell you anything. Well, it was, and it was just like it was no, it was like a totally different kind of game. Yeah. I mean, unless you played Kingsfield and had some kind of frame of reference, frame of reference on it, didn't it didn't make which any I sense. have. I did play Kingsfield and back it, in the day, and like playing, but playing it now, I'm like, oh, I was getting a part from. I was like, oh, this was really hard. I remember dying like so many times as part. I was like, hack, 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 done. I'm just like, what happened? Well, what happened is I played like a hundred hours of Dark Souls since then. Yeah. And it's just I and it's not that I'm like I'm better, I'm a good player. I mean I am a pretty good player at it, but the main difference was 
I understood how it worked now. And what you're supposed to do. And as I get further in Demon Souls, I'm like, oh, the reason I didn't understand how that works is because they just explain it terribly. Yeah, and yeah. It's like Demon Souls was. Demon Souls has a real rough <laughs> translation. It like, does, yeah. like, and it's one, I'll tell you, man, going back to play Demon Souls and like even to some degree Dark Souls One, they've come a long way. Oh yeah, like, it, for like, sure. You know, Dark Souls Two for sure, and even but then like Bloodborne and Dark Souls Three are just another world. Oh yeah. To well, so, Demon Souls is also a really ugly game. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's just like, I remember we saw it at TGS one year, and Ryan Stevens and I were like, what the hell? Why would they put this on the show floor? And then we started playing it, and like, they started you in the demo in this like basement. Mm-hmm. And neither one of us got out of the basement. <laughs> Never. There was like five dudes in there to fight, and we're just like, what is this? Like, <laughs> But you can still see in that game, like the crazy like The art genesis design. of it all, yeah. And the art, you know, it's really only in the last few games that like they've started to live up to their own concept art, basically, yeah. you know. But like, I see the pedigree in Neo. I, I, it, you can feel the Team Ninja in it to some degree. Yeah, because the, um, the sword plays a lot faster, but like I said, like... I'm locked on to enemies and it's just missing them. Well, here's the thing. Like, well, locking on doesn't mean you're going to hit them. you got to be in the right range. Well, I am in the um, right range. I'm like literally... Apparently not. Well, no, I am. I block. As soon as I block the attack, I attack. Like, he hasn't moved anywhere. He's still right in front of me. And, like, it will literally just flat out miss. Like... Well, when you're fighting with with someone who has, also has a sword, I have not run into that at all. I had it over and um, over and over again. I didn't... Not I once. find that hard to believe because I watch gameplay of everyone playing believe on YouTube. Believe it, as Naruto would say. Yeah, I watch gameplay of other people playing it, and they were having the same problems. And in fact, they were all saying, "What the hell? Why this lock-on isn't working?" Like, I'm not. The alone thing about in this. the lock-on is like the lock-on works, but the lock-on will break if you do certain things. You and can like, tell if it's on though; it has that little yeah, like little oval thing, icon. Right. Yeah, I know, but I. I I've played a lot of these games, uh, a lot of time on this, and I've, that's all I've played in the last week is Dark Souls games. Yeah. And on this, the, the differences for me, at least, was that if you dodge away, or if I... Because ru- here's the thing, like even when you're locked on, if you push the stick away from the character, he turns and no, runs. I know, he runs know? away. Which yeah. is a much more you know ninja samurai style way of doing that. I mean, it fits. Um, but you're not like locked on like a like a yeah you know, like a. Well, he could do like a backflip or something. He could, but like that's just not how Team Ninja wants. The Team Ninja's always been more about mobility than kind of like speed. Yeah, and so like when you run, if you run too far away, you'll break that lock. Yeah. And like I've had that, I had I, mean, I had to learn how that worked with like multiple enemies in Neo because you know there's up, up at the, that first little group of houses, like suddenly three three or four guys come at you, and yeah. you have to learn real fast. Uh-huh. Uh, that like how how to deal with that stuff and like a couple times like God where'd my lock on go because oh because I ran away from this guy and it broke so I have to redo it and that's just something that like you, you know I wasn't used to because Dark Souls has really tweaked the lock on as time has gone on and yeah. this one they're taking a different tactic to it um, that kind of plays into the more agile version of uh, of the of the take on the on the gameplay here and I'm I'm not against it you know I, I learned pretty quick my main problem is learning that X is dodge and not circle I I mean really it might it might come down to having to switch that button configuration if they allow. I haven't looked to see if they let, let you do that. Here's what I'll say: I played this game for about an hour and a half or two hours, and I didn't want to play it anymore. Well, and I, it, it also no, 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 it also made me realize that if I really did like Shane versus Dark Souls three, it would be absolute torture. Like literally, it would be mm-hmm. torture. Like I really have no interest in playing these games. Like well, too bad because I think you're gonna. <laughs> I think we're gonna get there. <laughs> I know. I'm dreading it already. <laughs> we have a lot of whiskey on hand. And yeah. 
We'll, 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 uh... Cause I was like you, like I did the same thing. Like I would play through the level, I go back and fight those same guys over and over again. And after like the third time, I was like, this isn't fun. I just didn't enjoy it, and I didn't enjoy this game very much either, to be honest with you. The the beta that I played, like. Mm. Well, uh, to be honest, I forgot about this game. And when you said, oh, make sure you play this thing before we do the show, I yeah. went like, wow, they put a beta alpha th- or an alpha, free alpha thing out of the near sequel? That's yeah. weird. And I didn't realize until I actually found it. And by the way, if you didn't know this was already out, you ain't going to find it on PSN. Damn, they didn't promote this at all. You got to search for uh, it. Yeah, search for it. I'm like, oh, it's that game. So I totally forgot it was even coming. Yeah. Uh, and then but, you know, after playing it, I was I, I dug it. I'll buy it. I'm, I'm in. But I'm, I'm really but I'm. I'm a casual Souls fan, yeah. RS, clearly. I mean, I'm not I'm not one of the one of the hardcore people at all, but like I enjoy it. So, um, yeah, I'll probably buy this when it comes out. Yeah, I'm really disappointed. I would much rather much rather play a new Ninja Gaiden than a, this game. Well, remember, I didn't like the first Ninja Gaiden until I finished it once and started another new game, and then I came in and I was like, I get it now. And yeah. you're like, see, I've tried these games. That's what well, I'll. They're t- just not for me. That's the bottom I don't line. Know. I'm, I, that's why I want to do this thing if, if you lose the Fantasy League, because I think all you need to do is get in far enough. Speaking of which, it's not looking good. No, no it isn't. <laughs> not at all. No, it isn't. All right, let's move on to the next topic. So there have been so many crazy stories this week. Uh, just random rumors, leaks, blah, blah, blah. We didn't want to address each one, so we've kind of put them all together into one category to talk about all of them. We're going to go one by one. Uh, the first one we're going to talk about is Battlefield 5. It seems to have been confirmed that it is, in fact, taking place in the World War era. Okay. We don't know if it's World War II, World War One, really yet. Well, um, World War One has certainly been circling around a lot. I mean, that was the original rumor, was they're going to World War I don't know how you do that, but... I mean, look, it's really not confirmed, actually, because what happened is one of the developers working on that Kickstarter game, Battalion 1944, which Mm -hmm. went nuclear. Uh, It's a shooter based on trench warfare from the World War era. This guy specifically went on Twitter and said, I'm really happy with what I just saw of Battlefield Five." So immediately, people connect the dots, and they're like, Mm -hmm. oh, this guy's working on a World War era shooter. Rumors have already swirled that Battlefield Five is a World War era shooter, and now he's saying that he really is into the game. So people are inferring, basically, mm-hmm. that because of... And then, here's the thing, so people freak out. They're like, oh my god, it's really going to be like a World War era shooter. And then he deletes his tweet. Mm-hmm. And so that was kind of like, oh, well, if they were onto something, then you would have never deleted your tweet. because his Or tweet... if they were onto something, EA was like, what the hell? And then he had to delete it to... Stop speculation. Right. What I'm saying is that they were onto it. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm saying. That was what I was trying to get at. Is it like the people who are freaking out saying, "Oh my God, it's going back to World War, the World War era"? Well, they were right. Like, mm-hmm. and so he's like, "Well, crap." And EA's like, "Well, crap." Everybody knows now. <laughs> we just blew our complete reveal for E3 or whatever, and they call the other like, "Dude, what are you doing?" Blah blah blah. And then he takes a tweet down. So anecdotally, it really looks like mm-hmm. it is going back in time. I. Are you okay with this, Matt? I think we've, we've kind of talked about this yeah. already, but just because this new clarification came up, I wanted to talk about it briefly. I don't know. I mean, I, I'm a big World War II buff anyway, historically, um, so I'm, in, I'm always interested in a, a take, especially because it's been a while since yeah. we've been there. Uh, I don't really know a huge amount of World War One, except in its relevance to what happened in World War Two, right. and like... So like you know like I, I can't name a whole lot of different battles and stuff, but I mean I would be interested in a World War One 
take on the material just because it hasn't been done and it uses some weapons that were you know internationally illegal by the time yeah. of uh, World War II. Yeah. So there's some aspects that you could use that might change things up and make things more interesting. I mean, I, yeah, I just want to mustard gas some people. I'm sorry, that's, that's really what I'm here for, you know. Um, but there's a lot of interesting ideas that, you know, if you, if you, I mean, interesting in the sense that it was a horrible and disfiguring and inhuman thing to do to other people, but like, uh, you know, a, a, a gameplay mechanic where like if there's a gas attack, you have to put the, the gas mask on and that kind of like affects your, 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 view, your view and your, you know, that you have to fight with this kind of handicap of like having to have this thing on. It could really make things interesting. But then, then I think about that and I'm like, does that sound like Battlefield to me? Not really. It doesn't, yeah. I think that's the big issue. And I think it might be the issue that EA will have if this is the direction they go is that their fans, I really don't see... The vast majority of fans being okay with going back. Yeah, I mean, it depends. I mean, I don't know. Like, the, my mind's still stuck on the World War One idea for the most part because, like, it's just it's the only place they haven't gone in terms of modern warfare. I mean, the one thing you could say is that you know, Battlefield trying to go head to head with Call of Duty over the last half decade has not worked out well, really, for EA. The games have sold okay, yeah. but they haven't hit that level that they they want to hit that level with call of duty where you're like one of the top five best-selling games every year it comes out yeah hasn't managed to do that yet with battlefield and i don't know if this is the right tactic to do it but it is different yeah and if you keep trying to do the same if you try to out call of duty call of duty you're gonna lose every time Mm -hmm. if you try to do your own thing at least you have a chance of being successful and personally like it's been a long time since there has been a world war era shooter and the last one that I remember playing was, like, at the end of, like, the PlayStation 2, Xbox era. There might have been maybe one at the early part of Xbox 360. Well, it was Call of Duty 2. Yeah, I guess you're right. And Battlefield 1943. Yeah. PC, um, though. That was uh, Xbox Live Arcade. Right. Oh, that's right. They did release it eventually. But, um, but uh, you know, once once Modern Warfare, when Call of Duty 4 hit, like, that was... You know, and then you had World, uh, you know, Call of Duty Three was World War Two. Yeah. Uh, and then you had the Pacific Pacific Assault yeah. with Medal of Honor, and that was pretty much the end of that. Yeah. Like you know, we, we, the, every, modern warfare pushed everything in the modern day, and the furthest back I think we we've gone in recent years is uh, you know like Vietnam with the Black Ops Two, yeah. the Black Ops and all that. Yep. So I would like to see that era represented with modern technology. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to see what a 1080p game set in World War II or World War One looks like. Like, I feel like that... I don't know how long that will hold the, mm-hmm. the spell over you or cast a spell over you, but for the first couple hours, I can see it being pretty freaking awesome. Yeah, well, the thing... And, you know, in World War, World War II especially, like... Those battles were often the big, you know, centerpiece battles of of that war were very about much about scale. No, oh, yeah. In a, in, a, in a, on a level that you don't really have in modern, you know, modern warfare tends to be about like you know drones, modern, modern warfare, dropping bombs. It's drones or it's like squads of like twelve guys or less or like you know it's covert ops. It's yeah. you know it's, it's not fought by you know traditionally giant it's armies like, face to face. There's not a lot of beach 10, invasions. 10,000 people here yeah. and 10,000 people here and they just go at it. So like, like you know, you got stuff like Omaha and Omaha Beach and, you know, all of the D-Day stuff and, yeah. you know, the, the Blitz and and uh, Battle of the Bulge and Operation Market Garden and, you know, even Iwo Jima's on the island hopping. Like, that's, that's like some large-scale stuff that I think we have the technology to do justice now in terms of the size and the, the activity and the complexity of it. So yeah, I would like to see that. Certainly, once. I'm not saying let's. <laughs> I'm not saying let's do. Let's, let's start a new offshoot. You know, of in my collection, I probably have like seven, eight, nine 
you know, different depictions of the invasion of Normandy yeah. in, in my game collection somewhere. I don't. Yeah. I'm not saying we need to do this. Everybody needs to do this all at once again. But I wouldn't mind going. Somebody going back and kind of tackling that subject matter. But you know what? Time. I would be okay storming the beach of Normandy again in 1080p. Yeah, I've done it a million times. I would do it a million and one to see it with modern technology. Especially again, you know what? Like the way you know the old battlefields used to kind of have those, them as multiplayer maps, and those like. When was the last time you played like a really int- like a like a you know, you're on this side, the opponents on this side, coming, coming at each other at, like yeah. that. Like that kind of gameplay is kind of gone. It has gone, game. yeah, yeah. It's all lanes now. It's like yeah. three lanes, just like a MOBA. The world's going MOBA and RPG. <laughs> World War Two MOBA. Yep. So let's move on to the next rumor. So this one I think actually has a little bit more confirmation. Spider-Man, I know a franchise near and dear to your heart, also to mine. My favorite childhood superhero growing up is being developed, the new Spider-Man, is being developed by Sony and not by Activision. Hmm. Sony obviously has the rights to the films, has had the rights, although that's reverting, isn't it, pretty soon? Uh, The deal with Marvel is that Marvel produces them and Sony has distribution. Gotcha. So Sony will basically get a cut. Yeah. But apparently this is being developed in-house... By Sony. Well, I think the merchandising situation is up to Sony on the Spider-Man stuff. So it would make sense. It would make some sense that they would decide to kind of take over the video game side of things because that's where they stand to make a lot more money in terms of share of the profits. I'm excited by this, Matt. Yeah? Yeah. A Spider-Man game by Sony first party? You're not excited about that? Depends who it is. Who's left? So we already know that it's not Bend. Yeah. Because Bend, it looks like is gonna that their game is finally going to be shown at E3. Mm-hmm. They're starting to be... We probably should have had that in this topic. There's rumblings about that already coming out. Um, you know, it's not Sony Santa Monica. It's not Naughty Dog. Who's left? Sucker Punch? Sucker Punch makes sense. They haven't done much in a while. If you think about yeah. it, they have already really made a superhero game. Yeah. An open world superhero game. Yeah. It makes too much sense. And they ha- they've been pretty quiet recently. Yes. Yeah. I could see that. Think about that, Matt. A Spider-Man game made by Sucker, Sucker Punch. Yeah, I'm, that I doesn't mean, get you excited. I, I will be skeptical until I see how the swinging works. Yeah. <laughs> well, look, they've had the swinging nailed since like the PlayStation era. That's not yeah. really the problem. Well, the problem is they keep simplifying it for idiots. Like yeah. The best swinging was Spider-Man 2. Yeah. The rest of the game was terrible, but the swing was good. Yeah. And then I think they hit a real happy medium in Web of Shadows. Web um, of Shadows didn't have that crazy like mechanic in it, though. There was... I can't remember what it was. There was some kind of thing that happened while you were web-slinging. It's almost like it went slow motion or something like that. No, nah, it wasn't Web of Shadows. There was, there was... I think that was... What was that? I don't remember what Whatever that was. Whatever it was, it was a failure. Web, Web of Shadows... It got way too complicated. Web of Shadows was Shaba Games. It was an open world game where, like, everyone turned into Venom symbiotes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I remember now. And it was just... It was very... It wasn't as complex as Spider-Man 2's web swinging, but it was a nice sort of happy medium, and, like, if you if you practice a bit, you could land on a dime, like, on the, on the side of a skyscraper. Yeah. I mean, whatever. And it was great. Um, had a lot of, like, mid-air combat in it. Uh, and so I would be up for something like that. But the, the web swinging has a very specific feel to it, depending, you know, from developer to developer and game to game. So uh, that whole game would live or die on what that felt like. I mean, Sucker Punch is one of the few companies I would like pick to maybe pull it off, um, especially because they already have kind of experience in the area. But yeah. like, 
yeah, I'm. You, you got to prove yourself to me with any Spider-Man game you want to throw at me at this point, especially after the years of just sort of shovelware they've been. It can't be worse than what we've got with the last few, though. Is my point. Maybe not. Like I don't yeah. see it any way. I mean, the last couple Activision releases really were just shovelware. Yeah. I mean... Well, I really get the impression that the last couple Activision... Because like, they were, what, the Amazing Spider-Man movie games? Yeah. I feel like that was contractually obligated. No, Shattered Memories, which is what we were just showing. Right, but those were before that. Like, the last two have been... But Shattered Memories wasn't great either. No. Uh, Shattered Memories and Edge of Edge of Time, I think. Were... I can't even remember all the Spider-Man games, to be honest with you. Because... Shattered, Dimensions and... Shattered Dimensions and Edge of Time. Well, I think we're seeing Edge of Time here. I think it's Shattered Dimensions, Shattered Dimensions? Yeah. They were both kind of similar. That, but that's my point. Like, it's like they all just started blending together. Yeah, because this is the one where it had the three different eras of Spider-Man that you could play as. Mm-hmm. There was, like, the noir one. There was the Spider-Man futuristic noir, 2099, one. and... Um, yeah. And then, like, base Spider-Man. Like, kind of... And there was base Spider-Man. I think there was another one. There was a fourth one. There was, was a, there? Yeah, I think there was, like, a Ultimate Spider-Man. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Um, I'm excited by this, Matt. Like, I feel like this series was just kind of sent out to die. It just turned into a movie cash-in. Like, if you put it in the mm-hmm. hands of a skilled developer, which pretty much every every developer on Sony's first-party roster would fall into that category. Like, I don't really care which studio makes it from their roster. I think it would be better than probably every Spider-Man game? Maybe. Ever? Mm. I really like Web of Shadows. Yeah. I think that's the best Spider-Man game ever made. I enjoyed it. Um, like I said, like I've I've heard it before. Yeah. Like and sure, Sony doing it in-house is a is a nice development. Um I want I, I want to play it. I'll 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 look at you funny until I play it. Okay. Basically. Fair enough. Let's move on to the next one. This one broke literally the moment we walked out of the studio last week, so this is kind of old news for a lot of folks, but Horizon Zero Dawn delayed to 2017. Problem for your fantasy team. Yeah. yeah. I felt good. You t- Actually, I didn't even see it, because I was like working on the show or whatever, and then you text me, you're like, oh, Horizon's been delayed. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, God, that sucks, but oh, wow, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, well, maybe I have a chance, and then... Nope. No. <laughs> But uh, this doesn't surprise me that much. I don't know if you remember or not, but I, w- during the draft... When we know, did the draft, you were pretty adamant that you thought it was going to slip. Yeah, it was I my was... most anticipated game, but at the same time, mm. I didn't pick it in the draft. Because it was my most was unsteady pick in that yeah. regard. I was crossing my fingers because I think it's going to review really well. And I'm, a, I'm totally okay with this, by the way. There's plenty of great games coming out. I thought this out. was like your most wanted game of it the is. year. It was my most anticipated game of 2016. And when we did our most anticipated, but I'm okay with it. There's so many good games coming out. Mm. I'm going to have plenty of stuff to play. I count on Zelda being there, but that's not going <laughs> to... <laughs> in a couple of ways, We'll, we'll get to that in a second, but, uh, you know, that is a bit of a hole. But, you know, otherwise, there are great games pretty much from now until the end of the year. I'm assuming the delay probably will be to Q1 2017. I don't think it's going to go to, like, holidays of 2017. No, I, I think it will stay in fiscal... Maybe. Um, But I just don't think it's going to be like a year delay or anything Mm -hmm. like that. And so I can wait a couple months. Um, You know, at the end of the year, I end up with like a stack of like eight games that I'm like, I don't have time to play all these anyway. So Mm. just looking at things realistically, I should have plenty to keep myself busy. Uh, I'm just saying that Horizon Zero Dawn would definitely bump a couple other, bump a game or two into that stack as opposed to being in the stack Oh, for sure. Well, it could. Like, you never know. I mean, Killzone looks like a great game, then you play it and it's an okay game so mm. they haven't made a game like this really There's, we've talked about it before still 
a huge, huge story for Sony, first party. Because yep. again... Changes the landscape of fall for Sony, for well, sure. Well, yeah, now once again, we're looking at like a Q4 for PlayStation 4 that may not be what we had all hoped it was going to be. I mean, last Q4 was so bad that their executives admitted it was that bad. So, <laughs> I mean, think about yeah. that. What executives go out and say, yeah, our Q4 sucks? Like, <laughs> that just doesn't happen. And so, you know, this was supposed to be the big holiday game. Like, Uncharted's coming out in a couple weeks. If you're in the UK right now, you can play it right now if you go to the right store. <laughs> or if you ordered from Amazon in some places. Oh, wait, Amazon shipped Amazon it? shipped it in places early, yeah. Because what Sony is saying is that a truck in the UK was robbed. Wow. A.K.A. the truck driver stopped off somewhere. The truck driver <laughs> retired is what yeah. that happened there. Now, a couple pe- I saw a couple people on forums who were, who were like showing pictures of like their Amazon order, and it was saying it was like out for delivery today. Wow, that's crazy. That's maybe, huge, maybe that was the truck that got That could be. I don't know. That's I, a huge mistake, by the way. But, so look, the glow of Uncharted 4 will be gone probably by the time E3's done. Yeah. I mean, we'll all go to E3, and we'll talk about it and share our experiences about it, and then that's kind of it. It's like, what, what's after that? No Man's Sky. But that's not even exclusive. People yeah, play that people, on PC. but people think about it as one. You know, like, I'm going to play it on PC probably uh, for the most part. But I think, you know, there's, a, there's that, you know, that console segment of the industry that is mostly thinking of it as a PlayStation game. I mean, we're assuming The Last Guardian is coming out this year. That yeah, might end up getting an shifted. Right, and that might get shifted to Q4 now to fill that hole. It's pro- it's not a bad game to replace Horizon's spot not, on the list with. I mean, it's, it's, it's not, similar kind of alien world kind of idea, monster, giant monster things. I mean, look, that game has to be done. <laughs> it can't, it can't still be working on that game. Yeah, I mean, we're not playing Final Fantasy fifteen right now either. So yeah, yeah. So to me, pretty big story. I mean, look, it's a new IP, so people like us really care about Horizon yeah. Zero Dawn. The better better to Joe, wait and get it right. I'm I'm fine with it being delayed mainly. Yeah, I'm I'm totally fine with it too. But I'm just wondering, you know, if and it's going to be another crappy holiday season. I'm much more fine with it because Zelda got pushed. Yeah, <laughs> that means your fantasy <laughs> team get, took another shot to the face. All right, the next one we're going to talk about is Call of Duty Infinite. Mm. Reportedly, the new subtitle for what we were calling Call of Duty Ghost Two, just because it's Infinity Ward's next Call of Duty game. Infinite. Infinite. Lends Bioshock. A, lends a Infinite. little credence to the uh, space idea. It does, yep. Infinite space. Mm-hmm. Inf- exactly. Um, also, as a side note, they're saying Call of Duty 4 Modern Warfare Remaster will be a pack-in with the game. I don't believe it. No? It does feel like it's about time to start remastering those games. It does, but I just... It's money to be made. If they Look, if they had but said... But then why would you include it? Right. I mean, it, maybe if it's a pre-order bonus? If they had said that, okay, Call of Duty Infinite's coming out, and we're also doing this remaster of Call of Duty 4, mm. I would have said, fine, I get that. You're right. Like, Call of Duty 4 is probably what people still think, erroneously, I might add, is the best Call of Duty ever. And so to remaster that, it's just money in the bank. I mm. mean, I get it, and it makes sense. To pack it in with your new Call of Duty makes no sense whatsoever to me. None. It's like, why do you want to pack in this other game that a lot of people call the best Call of Duty ever, like, if you do that, people are going to end up playing Call of Duty 4 multiplayer more than they play Infinite multiplayer. And Inside so, of Infinite. It's like, it's like webs within webs. Turtles all the way down. <laughs> and so to me, that was a big like red flag like tip-off. I was 
as soon as I read that part of it, I was like, I don't believe any of this. Now. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me that you would include that game when I'm pretty sure you could sell it on its own just fine. And the other part of this too is that this rumor comes from unless they're that scared that people are going to stay away from quote unquote ghosts too. Right. And you know, to me, it's like this leak came from Reddit. And all it was was an image of a box art image. Mm. Like anybody can mock up a box art image and put a little tag on it that says "With Modern Warfare Remaster." Like hmm. it's a very to me, it's very flimsy. The proof of this is very flimsy. The logic of it doesn't work out for me. Again, if they had put it, if they were separate products, I totally would have got it. I probably still would have been a little skeptical of them putting them out at the same time. Mm-hmm. Like, that still would seem really weird to me, even if they were separate products to put out that remaster with the new Call of Duty, like, on the I same day. I thought the day. remaster was real, though. Didn't they say something about that? I haven't heard about anything that about that. On Twitter or something? Hmm. I thought they said not something. Not that I've seen. I thought they said, I saw something that said, like, they said it was real, but nobody knows if it was actually being included or not. I have not seen anything like that. It hasn't been reported anywhere officially yet, unless it happened while I was coming here to do the show or something. Well, I haven't, I must not have, maybe I read it wrong. I don't know. I, I think people have mentioned, like, the rumors of... Yeah, maybe it's just so heavily rumored that people are saying it's confirmed, but it's not right. confirmed. I don't know. Yeah. So, uh, one, if it is true, I think it would be a huge mistake. I think you're just going to cannibalize sales of your brand new Call of Duty game. You're going to cannibalize a community of your brand new Call of Duty game. Unless you don't have the multiplayer in it. Unless it's just the campaign. No, I, there's no way. There, I mean, look, if anything, they're going to ditch the campaign and only have multiplayer. Because they make so much money off the multiplayer. Like, it's like Pactor said, you're going to see an expansion for Black Ops 3 next year still. Like, I think they're going to support, and so does PAC, they're going to support Call of Duty even beyond, like, or Black Ops 3 beyond, like, the year. Like, Infinity's going to come out or whatever the hell it's called. And you're probably still going to get more map packs for Black Ops 3. People are still playing Black Ops 2, for God's sake. Like, 10 million people a month are still playing that game. It's almost like you don't need to release these things once a year. It almost seems like it could just turn into a client. Mm. Didn't they try that already, though? Well, yeah... Not really, not wholeheartedly though. Well, no, not at all. Whole, not even half-heartedly. It was like really. half-acidly is probably the better way to put it. Yeah. So for me, of all these rumors that we're talking about, that one is the least likely to me. It could be called Infinite. I don't know. It does make sense with the the space. You don't think the remaster through. exists? I don't. It may. I think it's right up. I'm surprised it doesn't already exist. I mean, maybe it I'm, should. I mean, I don't. It's a license to print money, basically. Right. I mean, I don't really disagree about the idea that maybe it's a bad idea to release them simultaneously. Yeah. But um, I, I'm I'm shocked we don't already have you know remasters of four and and two. And it's hard to believe how long it's been since four came out. Yeah. What is it? Uh, nine years this year. I was watching yeah. this trailer. For this game, and I was remembering how blown away I was by this game the first time I oh, saw it. Oh, I remember. It. Yeah, we're just like, how does this look this good? I literally was blown away. It was me and like ten or eleven journalists in a room the first time they ever showed this game, and everybody in that room was literally just like rocked to their core. Well, we I remember were... being in the because uh, the the Microsoft press conference at E3 that year was in that the Santa Monica High School like like stadium yep. basically. Yeah. And uh, the the downside of that was you couldn't really mic it for audience sound. But when they could, that was the year where they showed, you know, they started a demo in like the, the field of grass with like you know the Chernobyl the demo, suit, yeah. and the, the, and you didn't see them until they stood up. Yeah. And all of a sudden, and the whole you couldn't hear it on like the the stream on the TV broadcast because that was the year we broadcast it on TV. Yeah. And cut to commercial in the middle of a Halo. Um, <laughs> that's a story. Um, <laughs> 
But uh, when they stood up out of the grass, the whole audience gasped. erupted. Yeah, it was like the whole audience went, oh! like, yeah. it was, like you could hear it, and you couldn't, you can't hear that over the audio feed yeah. on, the, on the broadcast. But yeah. like, but like, I mean, the whole stadium just went, oh! like it was, it was a moment. Yeah. It was an absolute. That game's moment. legendary. There's no doubt sure, about it. Sure. It's a, it is a great game. Uh, there's no doubt about it. Um, be interesting to see how it holds up now. Yeah, I haven't gone back and played it for couple years I went now. back and played it like two years ago and I still liked it. I liked it, yeah. I mean, I, didn't play, I played the campaign. I didn't play the multiplayer, but I still liked it. I, still I wonder if there are still people playing, like, if you go on your Xbox 360, if there are still people playing that online. Probably. I bet there are. Yeah. Sure. I mean, not like Black Ops When you think about, level, like, EA, like... where Madden is, like, dropped, like, 18 months after it yeah. comes out or whatever, like, not with Call of Duty. I remember there's a whole, you know, I remember, there's a whole audience for gaming that buys stuff a generation later. Yeah. They get it, they get a second hand or cheaper or whatever. Yep. They, want, you know, and, they still want to play There's still online. people playing. There's, they're still out there, I'm sure. All right, let's move to the very last one, and this will be very brief. Borderlands 3 in development on the way. Mm-hmm. They announced at PAX by Randy Pitchford and Gearbox. Shocker. Yeah, shocker. Shocking nobody. Mm-hmm. Um, they said it may not be called Borderlands 3. It may have some weird subtitle or be an offshoot or something like that. Matt, what, what do you want in Borderlands 3? I... Nothing. Like, I, I, you're okay, you're okay with Borderlands Two the way it was? Well, no, I, I just never finished Border. Like there was there's too much Borderlands for me. So to So you're finish saying you on. don't want Borderlands Three? I don't, you don't care. I don't have time for, for Borderlands Three. I really like Borderlands One and Two. I never played the pre sequel, but I was never able to finish all the content in once all the DLC was in place. I was never able to finish all the content for One and Two even. And um, I never finished either of them. And I just I played both of them probably six hours co-op with friends and that was it. I finished the the main campaign and most of the DLC on the first one. I think I probably put a hundred something hours in, into one and two. I think I was more like 50, 60 hours. I never finished the main campaign and I quit before the DLC came out. Yeah. Um, but like while I really like the look and I like the, how they play and I I'm a big fan of RPG elements messed with the shooter stuff. Um, like it's just such a commitment, yeah. <laughs> and like, especially when if you you know, and I feel like you know, it's a commitment. In so both would you ways. want it to maybe not maybe dial it back a little bit? Yeah, maybe like make it a little more manageable in terms of how much content there is, a little less of a grind, and also like that was my big problem with it. Oh. I just got sick of the bullet sponge enemies fighting yeah. the same ones over and over well, and I, over. I agree again. with that. I mean. I like the personality of it. It's Me just, too. I, I like the writing. Time. I like the tone of it. I yeah. like the characters. And the look. I love the look. Yeah. Um, and all the crazy guns and all the stuff they do with that. But it was a point at which I was just like, I don't have time for you. Also because, like, it's playable solo, but it's boring like that. Yeah. And then, like, if you play it with other people, like, you all have to kind of try to keep in sync with each other and yeah. play regularly. And I just, I lose. It's work. It is. It, does, it, become, it becomes a job. Like do, everybody has to be here at 8 p.m. and we all have to be, we're going to do this tomorrow. It becomes like an MMO raiding guild or something. Yeah. It was just, I didn't have the time or the patience for it. So I guess, yeah, I, I, maybe maybe a little less. This yeah. time. I can ease up. Less I, is more. And I never played the pre-sequel at all because I was like, I can't get into that. I, yeah. can, I can't start that. Yeah, I'm not a big Borderlands guy, but I knew that you played it more than I did, so I figured I'd bounce yeah. it off of you. I, I mean, I'm glad it's continuing and I'm interested to see what it looks like, you know, with modern console tech or modern tech, you know, I'm sure it'll look amazing. Yeah. But, uh, again... That I'm game just... originally was debuted not with that art style, by the way. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. It was originally, like, that. a realistic-looking type yeah. game, and then they switched to cell shading at the last minute, kind of. Yeah. I had to do a whole uh, episode of X-Play about that game. I, I, I went, like, 
all by myself, just <laughs> me and a camera crew that I hired. That we hired there uh, to go to to Gearbox and do and do all the interviews and stuff. And it was um, was it a sponsored episode? Pretty much. Yeah. Uh, but like, I asked a lot about like the early, you know, and they didn't really want to talk about the original art. Yeah. But Randy, Randy's like, oh, let me tell you everything. Well, there's <laughs> a huge did. trailer of it. Like, it wasn't just like yeah, it wasn't like screenshots. Yeah. yeah. And they just, you know, but they talked about how, like, oh, we just hit on this thing, and it was like, uh, you know, and then of course they had a little bit of a uh, trouble with that later with some yeah. guy, this, uh, was it, some French animator claiming that he stole it from the, yeah. and it did kind of look like it. Looked like like it, it. Yeah. it looked a lot like that, <laughs> yeah. But again, inspirations wherever you find it, you know, it's not yeah. like you can't really trademark cell like shading. Style, you know, yeah. like it's not, you know, and it's like, that's just how it works. You know, everybody draws a lot of stuff like Todd McFarlane and. So know, shading's and, also and been Mobius, around for so forever. It's well, like, it's, a, it's a certain way of like how they kind of, like, it was it's because Borderlands has kind of like a dirty cell shading. It is, to it, yeah. You know? It's got like rough edges. It's and, very similar to like what that thing that the animation that was shown. But again, like, like people are going to copy stuff. People are going to or you, it's you, just going to happen organically. Or inspire. You know, it's it's also like yeah, you take cell shading and you want to apply it to something like Borderlands. It kind of makes sense to kind of like approach it the way it they ended up, up doing a little it. Bit, yeah. You know, so all right, so it's time to move on to the topic you guys have all been waiting for. The failure of Shane's Fantasy League. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to talk about a game that you're going to be waiting a lo- even longer for. So, out of the blue, last night... Well, it was the financial call. Right. So, Nintendo has financial calls every quarter, and then they have a big one every year. Typically, nothing happens. Like, no. they talk about, at least the last couple of years, how terrible their sales have been... <laughs> How they're going to try to find some way to get out of the sales slump and, you know, how they're basically repositioning themselves for the future so that their stockholders don't sell their stock and mm-hmm. their company's value doesn't just bottom out. Not this time, though. So this time, they make huge announcements. And not all of it was, like, on the stockholder's call. Some of it was actually, like, buried in the documentation. Mm-hmm. Now, most publishers, platform holders, I should say... When they make big announcements, they make an announcement. They have a presentation. They put out a trailer. They send out a press release. Not this one. Nope. This was a Eurogamer article at midnight. This is probably the biggest announcement Nintendo has made in four years. And it's just, they just put it in, like, financial papers. Mm-hmm. And so the story is... I, I like... Because I, I texted Shane about it like at like half past midnight last night yeah. when I saw the news, and I'm like, should I text him this late? And I'm like, yeah, I probably should. Yeah, text you him should this text late. me because yeah, like, I had like, finally stopped working. Like, that's what I figured. I figured like he's not going to see this until the morning. I had like, just stopped working, and I was like, okay, everything's done for the night. Like there might be some stuff rolling in from like Japan or whatever. No big deal. Maybe a couple like features from Europe from Eurogamer or wherever or MCV. And then I get a text from him, and the text says. <laughs> Zelda, no. No, I, I said your fantasy team just took a shot, shot to, the, to face. the face. Yeah. <laughs> the most helpful, yeah. helpful imaginable information. And I think I just wrote back like, "What do you mean?" It was a question. You just put a question mark. Yeah, right? I just wrote back question mark. Well, like, what are you talking? Because I was like, "Dude, it's midnight. Nothing's yeah. happening right now." I like, I like NX NX in March 2017. Zelda delayed to launch with it. No, no, nothing but Zelda at E3. Nintendo. <laughs> and then I wrote, what I, I, what I write back? Like, no, or something. Like, that can't be possible. You wrote, like, you wrote like what? Yeah, like, what? Like, yeah. With, like, 20 A's. <laughs> and then he was gone, like, on the text thing for, like, 
20 minutes while I'm like, oh, he's looking at the, the sifted back end trying to find, like, Yeah, where, and I did. And, 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 now he's, and now he's trying to make sure that it's real. Yeah. And trying to make sure it's like, oh, this is, no way. Because yeah. I know, you're, you're like, no way, no. I, well, I didn't believe no. it, but I knew right away it was real because literally, you know, the way our admin works, like, you can see everybody's stories, mm-hmm. and I literally saw the same story, like, 50 times, and I was just... <laughs> yep. Face palm. In, there it is. This deserves double face palm. And it's and like we've been arguing over like whether it's going to launch this year or next year or that or this Zelda this or Zelda that. And it's interesting that I think you know we were both right and both wrong in a lot of ways. Because my thing was I knew I was positive they would not launch Wii Zelda on the Wii U separately from Zelda on the NX. They would not. Lo- they would not launch that game twice. But I thought. And I thought they would. But I thought they would make sure the NX made it this year to coincide with that, because I didn't think they'd break their swearing that Zelda was coming out this year. And I have been saying all along, and I wish I had had the time to have gone to get the tape of me saying this over and over, that there was no way in hell that Nintendo NX was coming out in 2016. But here's the thing. The last statement I made was, if it's not shown at GDC, it is, in my opinion, 100% not coming in 2016. Mm. And I was right, folks. But I think they wanted it to be ready for 2016. Maybe. Because they got nothing else. Well, this, like, Wii U is just going to lay there until March, basically. Yeah. Unless they have a whole bunch of stuff up their sleeve for E3, which apparently they don't, because no, the not. only thing they're going to have playable is Zelda. I just can't even fathom any of this. Like, here's the thing. Like, NX in 2017, I sure. thought that was the way it was. And I thought the whole time that Zelda was coming to both NX and Wii U. But to me, I don't see a problem with putting out the Wii U version in Q4 of 2016 and then re-releasing it again for NX in Q1 of 2017. Because they want that to be the big draw for NX. I think that's their big launch no, That's exactly title. what it is. That's They're... their launch. If, you are, if all the Nintendo faithful, who are the people who have bought a Wii U, if they've already played it, no, Where's look, those incentive? 10 million people are buying the NX. Maybe not. Nintendo has found its rock bottom, and that rock bottom is 10 million people. There are mm-hmm. 10 million people who are going to buy their platform no matter how god-awful But it even is. at launch, you still have to tempt them with something better than a game they've already played four months ago. They'll still buy it, though. Eventually, but not then. They'll buy it right at launch. And it won't be the only game they have for NX I think it'll launch. be the biggest game they got for launch. Well, yeah. No I mean, point. Zelda, it, no matter what, Zelda is always going to be the biggest game Nintendo has. Like, always. Well, like, not, except for Mario, Mario Kart. But, like, I, I think you're, un, you're underestimating how many people would be like, well, I just played that. I mean, in all honesty, the best game they could probably launch a console with is Mario Kart. Yeah. Like, Mario Kart 9 at launch of NX is probably the smartest thing that they could do. I think you're just going to get the Wii U Mario Kart ported to the NX. Or if it's backwards compatible or whatever, who knows. That's a good. That's an interesting question, because it's like, you know, a lot of people are arguing over backwards compatibility. And they were, you know, there was talk previously of Wii U games being redone for the, for the NX, which implies no backwards compatibility. But then, you know, and some people saying like, oh, if they're doing a, a separate version for the NX of Zelda, then there's no... Well, well, that's not true of the Wii. I mean, the Wii had Twilight Princess. Twilight Princess was on the GameCube. You still play GameCube games on the Wii. Yeah. But, like, who knows? Who knows what they're thinking right now? Like, I don't... I, I don't can't, you Matt, can't even predict right now. Matt, I can't comprehend anything that they're doing right now. Do they... I think the NX is not anywhere near ready. I well, think I think it is. I don't I mean, think it is. I think if, they, if it was ready at all, they'd be showing it. 
I, it's only three years after the release of the Wii U. Like, just well, to what get I mean, the man, platform done in that amount of time, like... They could get that platform done in that amount of time if it wasn't some kind of weird gimmicky bullshit. That's, that's what I'm worried about. It's like, if you just just put a, you know, and, and, you know, an x86 architecture machine together that runs your stuff and get it... Like, that's, you know, not crazy... But we were talking about that earlier, and Jim Sterling was talking about it. That's not how Nintendo not how operates. Nintendo does it, right. Like <laughs> and Jim, look. Jim Sterling's uh, video this week on Star Fox is great, because he great. really goes into... He goes in, and it's like, yeah, all we wanted was Star Fox with modern technology behind it, and you have to, like, come up with some stupid gimmick where I have to look at two screens at the same time to play the damn game. And, like, they, you know, Nintendo refuses to just make a new version of this thing. There always has to be some... Weird big idea or gimmick to it and like that is usually what trips them up in the, in the modern era so let's talk about e3 the only nintendo game at e3 is zelda just the only playable game will be, will be zelda they will i'm sure they'll talk about other stuff and there'll be other stuff on like the treehouse stream and whatever but the only thing you'll play on the floor is apparently zelda <laughs> what it's insane. <laughs> well, what? They have nothing else. They do. They have okay. Like, they have Paper Mario and Federation Force. Yeah, they have. Look, they have tons of 3DS stuff that they can show. I'm not even talking about that. I'm just talking about like Wii U. Like, they are pushing their hardest core fans to the brink. Like, they are going as hard at those people as they possibly can without those people finally saying, you know what? screw you like they are just i just can't fathom this i can't fathom that there's nothing in nintendo's catalog for the next dude this is only april because again i'm saying that system was supposed to come out this fall with zelda and a simultaneous launch on the wii u and that was what that was their final you know bone to the wii u owners was like here you all you get zelda along with the the nx purchasers but now they had to push it. They don't want to launch, do separate launches for the two versions of Zelda. But so, why? Because I still think you're under... You know, I think that would be taken as an insult to the Nintendo fan, bo- fan base as well. Is why, like, though? Because it sounds like they expect you to pay twice for the same game in, within a span of like five why months. Why do you assume that? Just because you put it out twice, they're expecting you to buy it twice. Yeah. Why? Because no Zelda fan's going to wait. Are you kidding? You don't have to wait. You buy it for the Wii U, and then three months later, it comes out for NX. Yeah, it's going to be better on the NX, so you have to buy it again. You don't have to. Of course you do. No. I don't think you understand what fanboys are. <laughs> I guess I don't. Because that that uh, any Zelda fanboy is going to take that as like, well, you're going to sell me this version of the game this fall, and then I'm going to have to buy the next one because oh, that version's better. Oh, God. Get over it, people. That's like, how... If that's you're the, sitting that's there right the... now watching this saying, that's me, you need to reevaluate. I don't think that's... I don't think anyone necessarily watching this right now is thinking that at least not live i don't know if we have crazy nintendo fanboys watching the, the archive version maybe but like that's that's i think is what how that would be taken it's like oh you expect me to buy this game twice I also mean, nintendo is basically just also written one off of the big draws of this new system is going to be playing a zelda game you've never played before i mean that's like the basic reason to decide on the nx version over the zelda over the U, wii u version is like well i'm just going to buy the new system and play the superior version of the zelda game but we look we've already gone through this with twilight princess like this has already happened we've already had like mm-hmm. an old version release but those launched simultaneously right they did but you're set you're talking about like making people choose between the be- a lot of people chose to play the GameCube version of Twilight Princess instead of the yeah, version well, on the shiny new hardware like well, you're talking I, about. Right. Well, I should have, but like you know, but I didn't. 
um, because you pick the new system because it's the new hotness, right? But like you can't, like if I'd already gotten to play the GameCube version of Twilight Princess like three months or four months before I played, you know, before the Wii came out, like I wouldn't have given a shit. I would have probably played some of it to experience the motion controls. Well, yeah, because I, w- I would want to be able to know what I'm talking about as part of my job. But if I was just a you know a gamer that played as a hobby, I wouldn't I wouldn't want to th- suddenly throw money at the Wii just to play. I mean, look, I bought that Wii on launch night but mainly to play Zelda. Point. You're making my point. You're saying like people wouldn't buy it twice because they've already experienced right. the game. And in I'm saying in that situation. Because I'm not a crazy Zelda fanboy, so I, I'm sure I think the fanboys would buy it twice or be driven to buy it twice. Maybe they wouldn't necessarily do it. I'm saying in that situation, let's say you launch Twilight Princess on GameCube earlier. I played it on GameCube. I'm not buying that Wii. Not that night. Yeah, maybe you are. maybe because you... you're buying it for Wii Sports. <laughs> I didn't give like a shit else. about Wii Sports. Really? No. Wow. I mean, it was more fun than I thought it would be once I got it home. But I didn't buy that system for Wii Sports. I bought it for Zelda. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I just bought it because it was a Nintendo console. Well, I mean, partly that too. But like, I'm not. I'm not like that anymore. There used to be a day where I buy every every console when it comes the day it comes out. And I'm not like that anymore. Partly because I got burned by the I damn Wii. Yeah, I, I know. I did get burned by the. And Wii. now the Xbox. I got Xbox burned by one. the Vita. I've got burned by a lot of platforms. Yeah, lately. the Vita was the Vita. I bought the Vita day one. That was dumb. It was the worst. You know what? You know what pushed me I'd to get? get I still have never got my money's worth out of that handheld. Yeah, well, you know what pushed me to get the Vita day one? Ninja Gaiden. No, I no. played the shit out of that game on, yeah. on Vita. I played, I played tons of Ninja Gaiden Sigma, and I played tons of Persona Four. That's it. That's yeah. all I've really played yeah. on that system. So Nintendo has basically thrown in the towel in 2016. That's yeah. really what it comes down to. As far as the Wii U goes, for sure. I yeah. mean, there's still stuff on the on the 3DS. Yeah, I mean, a lot of it's third party stuff. A lot of JRPGs. This is like yeah. the year of the JRPG. For oh, the we, 3DS. I mean, we have that. What I can't remember the name. Whatever they decided to call it, but the Fire Emblem. Uh, Shin Megami Tensei thing. Yeah, that Tokyo out to be, Mirage. Tokyo Epi. Mirage. Yeah, it turned out to be what, like a, some kind of idol singer management RPG. Well, that, yeah, that's what thing. it is. Yeah. it actually was shown for the first time the English version at PAX, and we didn't mention it, but it's getting. I have it really, pre-ordered on Amazon. I still don't know what the hell it is. It's getting really favorable impressions from PAX. If that makes you feel any better, sure. I don't, People who played it there said that they really liked it. So that's one of the things that originally. But that like, is so niche. Oh, it's, I mean, it's, that game will be lucky to sell. If it I mean, sells three hundred thousand copies, I'll be like surprised. If they make three hundred thousand right. copies, yeah. In fact, that might be a good game to just buy mm. and never open because it might be worth money someday. Yeah. But. The the logic here just it boggles my mind. Like the lack of planning, the to just leave a whole essentially a whole year. Because what did we get this year for Wii U? We got Star Fox Zero, and the verdict's out on that now. Devil's Third. Some people like it. Most people don't. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, Devil's Dev- Third, and we got uh, um, exactly like <laughs> the to- Tokyo Mirage, whatever. I'm saying already, like so far this year, oh, there's um, nothing, and we have like two games that are hardly even worth mentioning coming out. I mean, look, Paper Mario is also not like a multi-million-dollar seller. Like, no, if it does something, if it's really good, it'll sell a million copies after the word spreads that it's really good. So, it's it's bailed on its most ardent fan base here. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I just weighing want to another Wii U game this year. Weighing the positives, and maybe you're thinking of Splatoon from last year. No, it's a, it's. I remember like a few, like a month or so ago taking it and putting it on the pile, and I haven't opened it yet. I can't remember what it was. Yeah, that's how invested I am. Welcome, welcome to my Wii U collection. Pokemon tournament, maybe. No, I don't care about that game. Yeah, I don't know what it would be then. I have no idea. There's another one, Pokemon Pokemon tournament. Yeah, that game probably will be the best seller of the year. Actually, probably. I mean, it's it's catching on. 
got a, got a good license behind it. Doesn't have a much competition, a really, is what it comes down. No, to. well, that's that's one of the advantages I think it has. Is there's nothing else like it, really. I mean, it, especially not with those characters. Well, fighting games on Wii aren't in a vast supply either. On Wii no, Wii U, yeah, so. yeah, that's right. I mean, you've got Smash, yeah. you've got Tekken Tag from launch, yeah, and then you got Pokemon Tournament. Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty much it. The whole lifespan, it got three fighting games. Yeah, you remember the Nintendo sixty four with all of its like crazy fighting games? Yeah. Bio Freaks. Yeah, Bio Freaks. I Iron, Iron Age. Or Clay, Clay Fighter 63 and a third. third yeah. <laughs> Rental only. Yeah. Nope, just steal it from Blockbuster. So let's talk about Nintendo at E3. Obviously, no press conference. That's not happening. No. Nothing to talk about. Is there a Nintendo Direct, even? I would think so. Just, just one like, for Zelda? Uh, yeah, all about Zelda. I mean, I'm sure they'll mention you know, the other stuff. You know, some 3DS stuff for Paper Mario, whatever. But, like... Again, like what they said is like no. That's the only playable game. It doesn't mean the only game they'll talk about, but it's the only game you'll be able to go to the Nintendo booth and put your hands on. I mean, my hype level for E3 just went to like pegging the meter (laughs) to like. (laughs) I mean, literally, like in 20 minutes, it went from me like bouncing off the walls about E3 2016 to being like, "There's PlayStation Neo." Yeah. I mean. There's VR. But, I mean, VR was last year. That was it's not like, even out yet. Yeah, it, but it was. I mean, last year was the coming out party at E3 for mm. VR. That's when Oculus and Vive and PlayStation Yeah, but now VR. maybe we actually get to see some games. Yeah, I mean, I played a ton of games at E3 last you year played a VR. bunch of demos. I mean, they ended up becoming the games. Quote, unquote, games. <laughs> but that's, I'm telling you, like, there aren't that many real games that have popped up since then. Like, it's kind of looking like that might be what VR really is, is like a collection of, like, short experiences. Versus v games. Sports. Other than like the stuff that Insomniac's doing, like most of it just looked, yeah, like Wii Sports. It's kind of like VR's version of Wii Sports. So, so yeah, my hype level for E3 just really just took a huge shot. Yeah, I mean, here. we originally thought we were going to see a whole new console, and clearly we are not. Well, it's like last week during the Q&A, someone asked me, like, you know, what press conference are you most excited for? And it was like instantly, like Nintendo. There's, It's got the new hardware. It's, you know, we don't know anything about mm. NX. And now it's like... All the press conferences are kind of just the same now. Well, it's all going to be very business as usual, I, I figure. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I, they'll probably do a direct. They'll probably I'll show... I'll do a direct with a bunch of Zelda stuff and all in kind of maybe, you know, please be excited sort of, <laughs> sort of thing about, like, this thing we're not going to tell you anything about. Maybe they'll, maybe they'll give us a name. Now, they are, look, they are saying that, you know, they are doing an event this year to unveil yeah. NX. So there is going to be some type of a fan event or something... Where they do eventually Return unveil. of Space World. Right, and that would be great. Yeah. Stupid, but great. <laughs> <laughs> Japan is the last place you want to unveil a new console right now. Like, yeah. it needs to happen in the United States, although... You can still call it Space World, even if it's LA Live. Yeah, you know. I guess you're right. That's a good point. Um, so we don't have to wait until, like, March of 2017 to find out what this right. thing is. But I just can't... It I seems just can't like understand you, why they don't unveil it at E3. Because it's not ready. It's they don't have shit. You don't have to have shit. All you have to have is Zelda running on that thing. Put a fake Here, stupid shell saying. up there. I don't think they have it yet. You don't even have to see the hardware. Like, I don't you, think they have it. They're still arguing over it. You can talk about you can talk about NX, tell talk about the concepts behind it. No one's stealing the idea and gonna put it out <laughs> by March 2017. Like 
That's Nintendo's thing. Oh, someone steal our ideas? Dude, it's March 2017. Dude, nobody wants your ideas. That's part of it. <laughs> That's one part of it. The other part of it is no one's going to look at it and implement it better than you of in eight not. months. You've been working on it for years. Look what happened the last time someone tried to do that. We ended up with the PlayStation Move. Right, yeah. Which actually is now getting a <laughs> renaissance. Now they're trying it again. I mean, you got to do something with all the shit, all the unsold moves sitting in a warehouse somewhere. This whole generation has been 100% certified... Nintendo shit show. That's exactly what the Wii U generation has become. It has been mishandled from the beginning. It was mishandled before it launched when they decided to name it Wii U. It was mishandled when they worked on the form factor and decided it was going to look just like the original Wii. It was mismanaged when they didn't get the development kits out to third parties enough so they could make use of the... I mean, you could just go on and on about the mistakes that were made with this platform. it's probably not an accident why they're also restructuring the company to some degree. You saw that, that, right? Yeah. Like, like they're going to go to a more, like, executive officer model, which means it's a more Western model, which means that you no longer have to go to the the top of the heap to make decisions anymore. But at the same time, it means that if you have made decisions as an executive officer... You're gonna get burned for it later if it doesn't work out. Which is the way it should Which be. Which is the way most you make the call companies and it work. doesn't work. You it's your ass. So it's gonna get Reggie a little bit more power. Um, you know, and and the other I can't remember the guy's name who runs Nintendo of Europe, but he's been doing a great job. Yeah. And hopefully he gets a little more say in some things. I mean, it could lead to a good thing. But again, that's why I think some of this like, you know, why don't they have anything here? Why is nothing happening? Because I don't think they have anything ready. I don't you know, and even if the hardware is decided on or whatever. I don't think there's any agreement in Nintendo about how to present it. I don't think they have any agreement on how they're going to approach it. Like, that's, I don't think they had time to sit down and like kind of get everybody on the same page of how we're going to pitch this thing. Well, this might you know? be where we're, we're really seeing the end result of a lot of passing as well. Yeah. Because, you know, I'm sure he was the key cog in all of this. Mm-hmm. It was pro- this was probably his concept, and, you know, he's probably the one who shepherded it through... All the levels I mean, he, of checks and he balances. He has the history the of being like, okay, we got We got to change direction. We're going to do it. Like he's the one who's who's had a, had, a, had a legacy of that. So you lose somebody like that midstream. You know, I do cut Nintendo a little bit of slack for that. I mean, he was their leader and the mm-hmm. leader of the part of Nintendo that leads Nintendo, Nintendo of Japan. So, you know, you can give him a little bit of a pass for that, but that doesn't change the fact that the decisions are really dumb. Like. Not releasing Zelda this year on Wii U, in my opinion, is a huge mistake. A huge mistake. Why? Because it's like... No one cares. The Wii U... I care. You I care. I paid for a freaking Wii U, and I haven't got shit for use out of it. Like, I haven't got my money's worth out of my Wii U still. Just like with my Vita. Like, I still don't feel like I've played it enough to rationalize how much I spent on the damn thing. And now you're telling me that, like, the one game... Look, this is a carrot. That Nintendo has been dangling in mm-hmm. front of Wii U owners for three freaking years. We're playing in March. No one cares about playing it in March. Exactly. Right. So that's why you give it to them in Q4, so they have something to play. But then like, no one cares in March. They do care. They don't care about it. That's there's that's going to be a lot of people picking up NX that never bought Wii U. Period. And there will be some of that crossover of the hardcore fans who buy it again. But chances are. They're so hardcore gaga over Nintendo, they won't even feel burned by that, Matt. Like, the fact that they'll be able to play the new Zelda at 1080p or 14 or 4K or whatever, they're fine with that, dude. They're not going to be mad at all. You think like, that thing's going to run 4K? I'm just saying, like, <laughs> with better frame rates and more maybe, detail or whatever. Better, that, but right there, you're getting back into the thing where they're asking you to buy that game twice. They're not asking you to do shit. 
course they are. No, they're not. Like, you, okay, what's, what if you were waiting for an NX, but you had a Wii U? Would you not buy the game twice? You'd only buy it for the Wii U? Wait, so if oh. I only had a Wii U... You have a Wii U. You want an NX. Zelda comes out this fall for the Wii U. It comes out in March at launch for the, for the NX. Uh, are you waiting for the NX version? Or are you going to buy no, it? No, I'm buying the Wii U version. So you're going to ignore the NX version? I don't know if I'd ignore it, but... Are you going to buy an NX, even if that's the big launch title at launch? Oh, yeah. You're going to buy a launch NX, even if there's nothing big to play on it at the time. Well, you're making huge assumptions right now. I'm not making a huge assumption when I assume that the Zelda game is going to be the big launch title for the NX. That might be an assumption. If it, w- if it was a wrong assumption, I don't think they'd have delayed uh, the Wii U version to March. you got to remember, like, they already said the next Pikmin game is, like, done. Like, done. Okay, well, if you think the next Pikmin game is a big release, okay, but, like... I like Pikmin. I like Pikmin, but it's, ain't gonna, it's not going to sell me a $400 system. Look, Matt, look at the Wii U. The launch of the Wii U, the software lineup, was actually really good. That's the problem. Like, Nintendo comes out of the gate real strong, and then it just <laughs> dies in, like, two years. That's been its was MO. It? Yeah. There were 22 games at launch for the Wii. 22. And the Wii or the Wii U? Oh, the Wii U. Sorry. Yeah, for the Wii U, there were 22 games at launch. Yeah, most of those games had already played on another platform. Well, no, a lot of them came out the same Q4 that they came out with the other platforms. Maybe like a week later on Assassin's Wii U. Creed 3, maybe, but like, I mean, Batman was a year old at that point. And like, it was, it was, it was, it, well, they got the Mass Effect trilogy. Also, something that I already played months and months ago. Yeah, but if you're a Nintendo fan. It wasn't a trilogy, it was three. It was three, right. So if you're, but if you're a Nintendo fan, you haven't played a lot of those games. Well, yeah, but that's the other thing. It's, it's like, okay, great, Mass Effect 3, part three of a three part series I've never played if I'm a Nintendo fan. Like, that, I mean, yeah, they had good games, but they weren't games that anybody was going to pick up on that platform. But you say, so we're say, we say Zelda, we say Pikmin, they're due for another 3D Mario game. Like, that game could be done by now. Like, you, you can't just assume that Zelda's going to be the only game there. I would actually would assume that there probably won't be much third-party support. I would assume, yeah. Um, that is one thing I would probably say. But to me, I, I just can't, I can't see the advantage, whether... Financially or with fan equity for Nintendo to hold that Wii U version so that it comes out at the same time as the, the NX. I, I don't know any other it way to explain I don't know any will. other way to I don't think it does. I don't know any other way to explain it to you in that if you're Nintendo, business-wise, you want those people that are your rabid fans that love Zelda more than anything except maybe Mario... Um, they want that game. They want, they've been waiting for that game. They want that game. You want them to see, okay... Here's the game you wanted on on your system that you own, but here's also the NX version that looks a little better or has whatever feature, you know, God knows what they're going to do with it. But it's clearly going to be, in their view, or at least how they're going to market it, it's going to be the better version of the game, right? right? You want those people who are that rabid about that stuff to be like, all right, I'm going to dig into my wallet and buy this system at launch for this Zelda game. Sorry, Wii U, I'm moving on. I mean, I would That's get... what you want, because you're still going to lose people to the idea that I've already played the Zelda game, I don't need to do it again and jump on this launch that fast. I would contend that doing this so far in the life cycle of the Wii U would do more harm than good, particularly with your fans, because a lot of fans have held out all this time and bought a Wii U to play Zelda Wii U. And they will buy an NX to play Zelda U as well. Because, like you say, those are all the same people that you're talking about when you say that there are 10 million people that will buy anything Nintendo puts out. Right. And I think those right. are the people... Right, so they're going to buy an NX no matter what. So it doesn't matter if... But Nintendo wants them to buy that NX in March. 
and to guarantee they that... They will. Dude, yeah. those 10 million people are going to buy the NX no matter when it comes but out. But to and, guarantee and honestly, that... No matter you, what you put, games are available for it, they will buy it. Even if it had no games and all you could do was just go through the UI and use like whatever Nintendo's new network shit is, peep, they will buy it. That's how they are. You're burning equity. You're, you're increasing the chances of them not buying your console by burning them on Zelda with Wii U and not giving it to them. That's my point. You, I, I don't there's think no that upside to that. the alternative. There's only a downside of releasing them together. There's no upside. There has to be an upside or they wouldn't be doing it. I don't... I, so, there's something then that we don't know that Nintendo knows those two games can't come out apart from each other. Or those two versions can't come out that, apart That could other. very well be. But and I, I've always maintained... That's why I always thought the, the NX would make it this year is because I know they aren't going to release those two versions apart from one another. Yeah. They had to come out together. And that, to me, meant the NX had to make it this year because there's no way they were going to fuck over the Wii U people and push that game to next year. Whoops! Yeah. I mean, shows what I had too much faith apparently in Nintendo to not to stick to their 2016 promise. And that's what I'm saying. Like, like, look, you know, in the GameCube era, that hardcore Nintendo audience was double this. It was 20 million. And as Nintendo keeps screwing over its fans, it keeps getting chipped down, like to where now it's 10. It's half mm-hmm. of what it was like 10 years ago. And this is the type of shit. Like, telling people, hey, here's this Zelda game coming for Wii U mm-hmm. next year. No, next year. Now, next month. Now- I was shocked that, like, because I was looking at, a, at an old gaff thread that had been bumped. Uh, from something, it was something else, but there was a meme, of, a, a GIF in it, a meme, that was a, a, re, a, like a reworking of uh, the shot from the Zelda U, like, trailer or whatever, where... You know, he's riding the, the horse away and that giant, like, kind of Princess Mononoke-style monster is, like, running after him, like, blowing lasers everywhere. Yeah. And I remember, I was looking at that and I looked at the date on the post and the date on the post was, like, October 2014. Yeah. And I'm like, God, this has been a long time. Yeah. Long, long time. That's what I'm saying. Like, these fans have been crazy patient and, like, I don't know, man. Well, another, uh, to me, see, like, to me it's just another drop in the bucket. Like, it's like, to me, if, if you're a Nintendo fan and you've taken all this abuse already, what's this? But look, there's always a certain... There's a break... Everyone has a breaking point, I guess is the best way to put yeah, it. Yeah, well, I think that breaking point no longer applies as soon as you get to, like, a week out from a Zelda game launch. Like, like I, yes, I mean, you're upset, you know, someone's upset that, like, that, 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 all that, and you, can, and you can think all that and logically understand that and feel that, but when it comes down to, like, oh, here's a new, a new full-fledged console Zelda game you could play, it's like, well, are you going to stick to those guns? Probably not. No, I don't know. Go look at those sales of Skyward Sword and just watch, and just look at the sales of Zelda in general just mm-hmm. on this down curve. And True, a lot of but... that is because there used to be 20 million people mm-hmm. who really love Zelda, and now there's ten. Yeah. Well, and also because there used to be Zelda games used to be games in which you press buttons to do things yeah. instead of wiggle the stick. Yeah. That's the that thing. I'm, that's the main thing I'm worried about at Zelda U is like, is this going to be have some weird trick or gimmick to it, like Star Fox, where it's like, just give us an open world Zelda game, yeah. and they're going to do some kind of Nintendo difference on it, and it's just going to, you know, it's going to. Just move it one, that far off the frame of what we wanted, and it's just yeah. yeah and you're gonna, I'm gonna sit there and be like, I don't know if I want your new console now for just to, to buy something that like is you're putting your own spin. All it needs to be is basically Twilight Princess with a bigger world and brighter colors. Yeah, and I mean, in. in my opinion, Nintendo is pushing the goodwill of its fans to the limit. It is even the most hardcore mm-hmm. Nintendo fan at this point has to be like, wait a minute, like. I got screwed 
I think we know that's not true. Yeah, there's from, a couple out from there. From incidents yeah. that have already occurred <laughs> on, on perhaps this very site. On this perhaps very topic. Yes. <laughs> look, look man, there are some people who are insane over Nintendo. Right, I mean, I'm, I'm, and completely I mean, delusional. At least, but. at least now there will be enough Kool-Aid for the whole class. Yeah. Uh, but... I think you're underestimating how like devoted like that fan base is. I'm not. I'm not. I'm just think that 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 group of they'll people be, they'll be mad. who are that blindly loyal gets shrinks and gets smaller every day. I don't know how much smaller it can get. I mean, it can't get smaller. Mm-hmm. It could get Sega small. Yeah, well, Sega was never that big to begin with. I don't know. It had a lot of big time fans, and it, sh- it eventually shrunk down to where it was not enough to sustain a, a platform anymore. And you keep pushing the buttons of your fans like this, and look, people are going to say, "But it is coming up for Wii U." Well, yeah, of course it is. But no one's going to get it. Yeah, I bought the Wii U for this game. Like, I didn't, I, I didn't think about having to buy the NX for this game. Like, I want to buy the NX for something else. Like, mm-hmm. I've been staring at this damn Zelda game for two damn years. Like, I don't know why I bought a Wii U. <laughs> it was a really <laughs> bad purchase decision. Like, I look at my well, software I didn't spend library. as much. As you did, I don't think. So, yeah. you know, in the end, when you look at the games I got with it, I spent about 150 bucks on it. No, I spent a lot more than that, my friend. Which is fine. Yeah. But I look, you know, so basically... That's a good deal. Like, yeah, it was I a good deal. It was a Black Friday thing. If I spent 150 in my Wii U, I would be totally happy It was 150 it. then, like, say, 100, let's say 100 bucks for Smash Brothers and Splatoon. I would, I would have got my money out of it at that price, easily. But, but I'm looking at, right now, I'm looking at a library that consists of those games, Bayonetta 2, Xenoblade... Uh, wonderful 101, Devil's Third, because I bought it because I'm like this is gonna be valuable one day because yeah. it's like you know no one bought it and it's you know it's, it's you Inigaki. haven't opened that one no no not at all. <laughs> um, Star Fox and um, take care. Yeah, like, that's it. Like that's it. Like that's the whole like my library for that, my shelf for that game is gonna be like five games on the show. Like that's the smallest game library I have for any system of all time. Nolan Elric very eloquently just stated, I think we all have fond mem- fond Nintem- Nintendo memories, I wish I could read, but at some point you just have to jump ship. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll tell and you that's what I was talking about, how yeah. it went from 20 million to 10 million. Eventually, even the most hardcore fans are going to be like you can get slapped in the face a few times. Yeah. Like it's like so it's, it's see- like a girlfriend that you really like, and she, you can tell like she doesn't like you anymore. Mm-hmm. And you know it starts with her like breaking a date, mm-hmm. and then it, the next time it's like she won't make the date, and the next time it's you go over to her house and she won't answer the door. It's like what it finally takes is you like seeing her making out with another dude for you to be like, ah, oh, it's over. But then in March 2017, this, she's going to take her top off again, and you're going to forget all about that. <laughs> this is Nintendo kissing the other dude. Who's the other dude? It's a figure of speech. It's Yeah, but I mean, they need to cheat on you with somebody then. It's like, maybe mobile. Mobile's the yeah. other dude. <laughs> that damn Mitomo. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I think we I mean, as an old piece. school Sega fan, like I, under, yeah, I wonder, like, will there come a time when, like, you know, the, the people that still cling to Mario is like are like seen the same way like the crazy Sonic fans that won't admit that that series hasn't been ter- has been terrible for like 15 years like, well the difference is that Sonic really did get terrible oh yeah well we don't know what the future holds for some it's of this true. Yet. yeah but Nintendo hasn't got there yet like the quality of its no, games not at all. are no. still great we're still we're still in the place where you know let's say mid 90s we're in the mid 90s yeah, yeah. for Sega here yeah, 
where it's yeah, still yeah. it's like oh I think something's wrong but I still like what they're doing you yeah. know but like at a certain point you're gonna be like wait a minute like, wait, Sonic Heroes what the fuck? yeah that's like, what's been happening to Nintendo though I mean it's slowly its fans have just got that big boulder mm-hmm. just wait. that chisel just keep every couple months another right. part of it's chiseled well, off well you mentioned before before we went on like that. Um, you know, like there's some of the hardline Nintendo fans who are, you know, people getting banned left and right across the internet tonight <laughs> because of this. I've already seen some of it yeah. um, on many sites. And uh, a lot of people, you know, like you said, it's like it's like how there were a lot of Sega fans who were like that in the late 90s. The Dreamcast era, just vicious. Like yeah. really, really just like no holds barred, like vicious people. And they I'm like, lose because, because you're all losing sense of thing. reason. Oh, yeah, because they're yeah. seeing this thing they love go down in flames. Yeah. And like, I definitely see a similar, you know, a parallel there because I was one of those. You know, I wasn't, you know, making death threats against people because yeah. pro- you know, propeller arena didn't come yeah. out or anything. But like, <laughs> I was upset that this company that was like my favorite game company when I was growing up was going, you know, going away and irrevocably changing. Well, it's and, like when I was, a and kid. I adjusted to it. But like, it's a hard thing to see. And now, of course, I look at Intel. I'm like, here it comes, boys. Like back, buckle up! Now you yeah. know what I went through with that shit. But it's like, it's it's, and it's also. I mean, I think it's sad it to, is. to see this yeah. sort of thing happen. Like, it is. You, you know, you never thought you'd see come come a day when like you weren't excited to see what Nintendo had at E3, or the, a day where a Nintendo console would only sell tel- ten million units. Yeah, I mean, the way I look at it is, I grew up when I was a little kid in like the seventies. I was a huge Steeler fan. I still am a huge Steelers fan, but. When you're a kid, like you don't really understand how things work. You're just mm-hmm. like a big fan of something, and blindly, you're just like, I love this. I maybe not, I don't even know why I love it, but I love it, and it's the best. And maybe you think you love it because you think it is the best. And back in the '70s, the Steelers were the best, hands down. They just won like every freaking Super Bowl. When you're a kid, you start to assume that's just the way it is. The Steelers are the best football team in the NFL. Period. That's just the way it is. And there's a lot of kids I feel like with consoles. Who look at it like they grew up with Nintendo. They have all these fond memories, which we did too. And you start to assume they're the best, and that's just how it is. And so the 80s came, and all those Steelers greats started retiring. And the Steelers started to lose, and I literally could not handle it. I was like eight or nine years old, and I remember the Steelers would lose a game, and I would go in my bedroom, and I would cry. I would cry for like hours. And my sister would come in and laugh at me like, what are you doing? Why are you laughing over a football game? And I'm like, the Steelers lost. They can't lose. They don't lose. You, now I look back and I laugh at it because you get older and you start to realize like just how insane stuff is, but it takes a while. And again, that's what you're seeing, I think, with these Nintendo fans. That like, it's taken them a while to get over and accept is what it is. Accepting reality, mm-hmm. which is Nintendo is not the greatest anymore. There are... Microsoft came into the market and basically kicked Nintendo's butt. Sony came into the market and kicked Nintendo's butt. And they're both still kicking Nintendo's butt. And it's just like when I would watch in the 80s, the Steelers losing a crappy football team. I'm like, this can't be. And Nintendo fans are like, how can these other companies who made TVs and like laptops come in and they're never going to be as good as Nintendo. I don't care what anyone says. And it's just a, it's a process. It's like Mm -hmm. a grieving process almost. It's like you have to go through like those steps to like get over it. And there's still a lot of people who aren't as old as us. And and we're definitely in the anger phase, right? We've passed through denial. Yeah. I'm in the anger phase. (laughs) You can't tell. (laughs) In the anger phase, we're kind of probably moving into bargaining soon. Yeah, exactly. And there's still a lot of people who haven't kind of moved through all those levels of grief yet. And, Mm -hmm. uh, 
They'll get there, even like the really crazy ones right now that are getting banned on message boards and whatnot around the world. Eventually, they'll get to the place where we are, where you look at everything just as it is, and you don't have these tinted glasses on that you're kind of viewing everything through. So it's a process, people. I Look, I still get hyped up and excited about it. This still gets me really revved up, and like mm. I still I care. I respect Nintendo. You know, I respect what they did. I respect how they saved our industry. I respect the fact that I wouldn't be sitting here right now with you and with Sam, like, doing a show if it wasn't for Nintendo. Like, I get all that. But at a certain point, like, you get to a certain point in your life where you know what reality is. Mm. And you can accept it and deal with it. And there's still a lot of people out there who maybe some of them are young, maybe some not. But eventually, they're going to get to that place. Maybe they're 60 when they get there. (laughs) And they're sitting in the nursing home. They're like, Damn! Yeah, maybe Nintendo. You know, maybe it'll take Nintendo stopping their console manufacturing to do it. It know. may, it may take something drastic. Or, but I guarantee, even if that happened, even Nintendo just like, even if the NX bombed and Nintendo was just like, we're done. We're 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 a mobile developer now. That's what we do. Yeah. We're gonna mobile games from now on. We're focusing on Japan. And like, if you want to play the new Pokemon game, it's on mobile and it's in Japanese. And go screw yourself. Like, you know, even if they did that. 15 years after they made that decision, there'd still be a couple of fans out there saying, like, this is the year. They're no, coming back. They're no, doing then, it. Then the, the boulder would be 2 million instead of 10 million. <laughs> if that. It'll just keep shrinking until... And then they won't... I mean, Nintendo will always make yeah. games. Always. Like, I... At least until I, I'm dead, I know Nintendo will be making video games. Whether it's making platforms, that's yeah. 50-50. But there but... Com- may come a day... When saying something like, oh, I'd really love to see a new Metroid game uh, strikes as many question marks over younger people's heads oh, as yeah. I'd like to see a new Shinobi game. I think we might be kind of there already with a lot of people. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of people who grew up with like the COD generation who yeah. don't give a crap about Nintendo, man. Well, and it's like the, and it, don't pay attention to anything. Like, it keeps it make, actually keeps making me think of that. Uh, this it was a Simpsons episode where the gra- grandpa, Grandpa Simpson, is like, is, is like I used to be with it. And then they changed what it was, and I, what I was with wasn't it anymore. Yeah. And now it's it is weird and scary to me. It'll happen to you. <laughs> yeah, it will. <laughs> it's like it's like Nintendo fans. It it's happening to you right now. Yeah, and it's probably going to keep happening. And it sucks. Suddenly. Like yeah. I, I, I don't want to see an industry without Nintendo. Like they're they're an important figure. They're an important pillar. Yeah. I think you know. And as much as you know, fans of the other platform makers or whatever other developers might not want to admit it sometimes, is they do take inspiration from some of Nintendo stuff. Oh, Even, of course. And Are it, you freaking kidding me? Yeah. And, like, and you know, it'd be if a it different... If Nintendo, we'd still be playing on D-pads. It'd be like. a different industry. <laughs> it'd be, a, it'd be a, a lesser industry. Oh, for sure. It would be one of the worst things that happened in the industry is if Nintendo were to leave it, period. Z-targeting, people. Never forget so much. Z-targeting. They, controller, we can go on and on. Anyway, I think we've talked about this enough. Yeah. We're, we're approaching the breaking point for our episode. So yeah. it's time to move on to our trailer of the week. It was a, a, an awful week for video game trailers, I have to admit. We got lots of really good gameplay clips from PAX, but not really any good trailers mm-hmm. except for one. Yep. And that would be... It's better than the, uh, the, the commercial that started to air. Have you seen the, new, the Uncharted commercial? I haven't, no. It's, um, it's like a slow-mo kind of pan around of an action scene. As he's, as like, it looks like Drake's going to grab a gold coin that's falling we down We just totally head. ruined the surprise of the trailer of the week, man. Oh, whatever. Everyone knew. <laughs> no, they didn't know. <laughs> Maybe maybe, maybe you didn't know. They do now. But it's like he's diving for a. It looks like he's diving for a coin, but he's actually diving for his brother's hand. 
Oh. And like the narration's like, everybody thinks I'm after pleasure, but you know, that's not who I am. But I guess it's how they'll remember me. And it's like got like really sad music. You know, it's like yeah. Gears of War, like the old Gears yeah. of War trailers. Are, and I'm just like, is that just what epic video game adventure game trailers are now? Is like, yeah, play like a really sad like a really sad song and like do like a slow mo pan of like a three second moment and like that's it. Ironic voiceover and yeah, that's that's your that's your ad. It's Drake's last game, man. Sure. And this is also technically Drake's last trailer. Wow. Because they're saying that this trailer that we're about to show you is essentially the last piece of media they're releasing for Uncharted 4, other than the inevitable accolades trailer that'll come out after right. other reviews. But this is the launch final trailer for Uncharted 4. Let's roll it. I made a promise that I was done with this life. It's not what it looks like. Took a long time for him to get out of this game. He's meant for this life. There's got to be another way. I need you on this one. Good trailer. There's quick, but good. Yeah, there's some reused stuff in there from prior trailers, but there's also a ton of like new set pieces in there that they've never shown before. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm surprised no one has done like a trailer analysis of that yet, because there's all kinds of little things if you slow it down that you'll find. But great trailer nonetheless. Totally forgot to tell you guys to start getting your questions in, but you are well trained and you have already begun. <laughs> What I want to read, just because I thought it was really funny, and it sure the hell ain't ever happening, and this is from Rewind Play Labs. Can Shane dress up as Father Shane for the DLC show, and can the show have religi- a religious motif with music and everything? I am yeah. totally on board with the DLC thing being just like you as a you as like a preacher, like an evangelical preacher. That would be freaking hilarious. With the, with the mop and the yeah. brow and all, yeah. <laughs> Like a revivalist, yeah, a revi- like a tent revival show. I'm I think it's one that. of those things where, like, the first episode, you're like, that's brilliant. And then after that, you're like, this is really dumb. Yeah, episode, like, 349 <laughs> would probably start to wear thin. <laughs> maybe just a little. Oh, wow, the questions are really flowing It's a good in one here. for April Fool's next year, maybe. <laughs> yeah, actually, that's a, that is a really good idea. Uh... Um, the Shane, the old title of Lawbreakers you're trying to think of was Grav Effers. That's not what it was called, actually. It was not called Grav Effers. It was, um, I can't remember it. But that's not what it was. Uh, let's see. I don't think I ever knew the old title. Yeah. I can't can't help you. Yeah, it had like a prototype name at first. Oh, wow. There's a ton of questions. Here's one from Justin Horman. Is there a game that you think is not a good game, but you find yourself coming back to it to play often like a guilty pleasure, Matt? Um, every Dynasty Warriors game I've ever played. Yeah. <laughs> I've been 50 hours in a Dynasty Warriors Gundam. I don't know why Any I Any Musou game. Yeah, that's pretty yeah. much probably my main answer to that. Rocket League. That's you mine. You don't think that's a good game? Not really. <laughs> I think it's a really... Cool concept. I think they fit, they found. I think it's a smart game. I think they found mm. a way to make sports a sports game that people who hate sports will play. Mm. And I think that's it kind of its allure. But technically, like when I compare it to other sports games, it's like a shell of a sports game. So that's why I feel kind of guilty when I play it. I'm always like, I could be playing NHL or I could be playing Madden right now, but instead I'm playing this really silly because hmm. it is silly. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess that's my guilty pleasure. I actually just started playing it again after not playing it for months. Actually, my truly my guilty pleasure is League of Legends. 
Mm. That is, yeah, that is probably my true guilty pleasure because so many, it's such a divisive game. Some people absolutely like hate it and just hate MOBAs. I don't know why, but they do. And uh, so, yeah, I would say that's the one game that I played. If I mentioned it in mm. a group of people, half the people in the group would be like, "Err." <laughs> I play. I probably play a fair amount of Poker Night of the Inventory now and then. It's, I don't know. That's not certainly one of the better poker sims in the, in the industry, but I like the funnies. Uh, here's one from Francis Alex Four. The Nintendo president said the reason NX is coming out until isn't coming out until 2017 is because they want a ton of games to be fully ready for release. Do you guys believe this? I think Matt already answered that. He thinks there's only going to be Zelda. Well, I think Zelda's going to be the king of the launch lineup for sure. Yeah, I, I I think there's some truth to it. Like I said, I think earlier I think probably Pikmin will be there at launch. There might be a Mario game, definitely Zelda, obviously. Um, so yeah, I believe that. I don't think that's the only reason that they delayed it, but I think it might be part of it. I'm sure part of I mean, sure part of the delay and part of the not ready yet thing is the third parties have had, if they have any third parties on board. I assume Ubisoft is probably on board. They need time to make these things or port these things. There's probably gonna be a lot of ports. I think. Uh, here's one from Eric Estrada Chips. Hmm. Old topic, but could someone sue Microsoft for false advertising because they said it was an Xbox exclusive and a lot of people bought an Xbox One just to play Quantum Break? You probably could actually, if ever officially they said it was an Xbox One exclusive, you probably could start a class action lawsuit against Microsoft. It, it probably wouldn't be worth it. It totally would end. not be worth it. Like, I don't know if you were a part of like the whole beta class action lawsuit that they had, mm-hmm. but like it amounted to like you getting a download code for like a $2 game. Yeah. Like, the hassle that you go through to get the settlement, even if you get one, usually you get pennies. It's just, it's not worth it. Um, look, I agree with you. It's wrong that it was marketed as an exclusive, and some people, I would say erroneously, maybe bought an Xbox One just for that game. Uh, but some people probably did. And in that case, they did get burned, and it was false advertising or false, false marketing. So they are in the wrong. It's probably just not worth it for you to actually pursue the case. Well, here's a, I knew we were going to get this one. W. Matthew, do you think Nintendo should go third party? I do. Their, game, their games would sell insane if they did. This is like the eternal question about Nintendo. Yeah, They've been know, asking ever know. since Sega went third party, basically. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> no, <laughs> I say no. Not if they don't have to. I don't... Like, is it in terms of like, should they just like have said no NX, we're just going third party, screw it? No, I don't think so. I think if you're asking, should they, does it make financial sense for them to go third party? Not yet. I don't know. I think it does. I think it you does think? make sense financially, yeah. I because they can still make stuff for mobile, and that's where their money's really well, going to come are from in the future, mobile, right? So. And they can still do that. Like, if they go third party, these platforms, the install base that they have, I mean, look, those third, Microsoft and Sony would take a cut out of every game that's sold, but be, with a bigger installed base, they would overcome that cut, like, several times over. Yeah, the reason if, I yeah releasing like a new full fledged 3D Mar- Super Mario Galaxy style Mario for PlayStation, for PlayStation 4, Four versus NX. Think about how much more you're, that you're selling. Oh yeah, uh, on yeah. NX you'll be lucky to sell two three million copies in the first year. On PlayStation Four you probably sell five million in the first year. Easy, yeah, at least. At least. Yeah. Um, now as far as should they go third party? You, I separated this. We I took your question as should financially does it make sense? Should they? No, I think that's a terrible idea because as much as we complain about what we've been complaining about, Nintendo was trying to put a new twist on things or have some special thing with their hardware, without them over the last 20 years, who knows where gaming would be right now? Like, Mm -hmm. 
I feel like we need Nintendo making hardware because they're crazy and they do it, crazy stuff. You and could also argue that the people that made the, those crazy decisions that did influence things so much are kind of either gone or done. Yeah, I mean, that could be, but the fact of the matter is, I mean, look, NX, they've already said, is something different. So they're still up yeah, for wow. taking chances. So right now, no one else is taking chances. And we don't need... <laughs> right new- now, I think so there's something different they need is something that sells. Right. Yeah, that would be different. <laughs> oh, it's good? <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> That's a dagger to the heart yeah. right there. <laughs> Greatness awaits, boys. Uh, <laughs> I think it would suck if Nintendo left hardware. I think the industry would stagnate. I think I would agree with that. I think they'd probably make more money, but like Nintendo the ability to control the hardware you make your games on is built into that company's DNA and I think it would take a very catastrophic situation to push them in the in that direction. Oh, and M. M. Gnoxa was right. Lawbreakers used to be called Project Blue Streak. That's right. That's right. Oh, that's right. Yeah, because I, I remember asking him if that was a Transformers reference. Yep. Uh, let's see. Everyone giving you lots of love for your Suikoden. Uh, Solo Dolo two four one. Who is reviewing Uncharted four for Sifted? That would be me. Um, anything happening with Fortnite from Dark Force two fifty six? Seems oh, like it was wow. announced ages ago, and I haven't heard anything new. Yeah, that was announced before Cliff left. I have a feeling a that that ago. game is in complete development hell. Um, the one thing that gives me hope is that it has had, like, betas. Like, people have actually played the game, and the mm. response to it's been pretty good, so... Yeah, well, that didn't help Fable Legends, did it? It didn't. Um, so, I don't know. Right now, I would say I'm about 50-50 on whether Fortnite yeah, I don't will come know. out. I mean, you look at it, it's like, dude, Paragon was announced and released. Think about that. A MOBA, which isn't an easy game to make was announced, released, and Fortnite, still nothing. Nope. It's not looking good, folks. That's what I'd say. Everson asks, regarding the Sony Spider-Man game, is there any chance for it to ever become as good and successful as the Warner Batman games? Um, Which Warner Batman game? I think he's Arkham. <laughs> yeah. The Arkham game. But it's like, sh- chance? Well, sure. Arkham Knight wasn't amazing. Well, no. But, like, Arkham Asylum was, like, well yeah. beyond anything we ever expected that game yeah, to yeah. be. Um, I get his question. But, like... Yes, I think it's sure, completely it's, possible. It's, it's possible. Anything's possible. Especially I mean, if a developer like Sucker Punch is working on it. Yeah. Could be. If that's the case, I think it has a good chance of... If any of Marvel's characters has a chance to kind of equal Batman in that regard, I think it would be Spider-Man. But again, you're going to have to make a really good game. A game that pulls in people that normally wouldn't play a superhero game like that. Yeah. Which I think Arkham Asylum definitely did. Uh, let's see if we've got a couple more here. Oh, Simi1101. Update on Platinum Journey Show. Well, let's see. Adam feels terrible. I guess that's the first thing I would say. He has emailed me countless times saying how sorry he is, that the delays happen. He has another job. Like, making video content for video games is not his full-time job. And so his job's been kicking his butt, and he's been... I totally believe him. He's been working every spare minute he has on it, um, but he just hasn't got it done yet. And so... I guess what I would want to say right here is that the expectation of the show coming out every three weeks, it's not happening. It's never going to be able to happen unless he quits his job and decides to do video production full-time. So I guess I would look at Platinum Journey as a pleasant surprise on Sifted (laughs) more than like a show that you're going to be able to count on, unfortunately. It's a sometimes food. Yeah. I mean, no one's going to be able to pay him enough to let him quit his job to do that show full-time. It's just not feasible. And so 
He can only do it when he has spare time. But at the same time, like, I'm not going to eliminate the show from Sif, Sif is Roster because it's a great freaking show. And even if we only get it once a month or every month, month and a half or whatever, it's still a great show and you're still only going to get it on Sifted. So counting on it being a regular occurrence probably isn't a good idea. But anytime there's a new episode, it'll be on Sifted when it's done and it'll be great. And I guess that's the best way I can put it. Mm-hmm. Um... Political questions. Huh. Not answering those. That were the political questions. Here's Justin Horman. If I were to give away a four pack of Duck Game to sifters on the forums, would you consider doing a hangout, something where you play with them? What's Duck Game? I don't know what Duck Game is. I don't know what Duck Hunt is. You lost me there. Uh, someone said that they're chipping away at Dishonored Platinum themselves. See, it inspired you to go back and play a great game, which is awesome. Hmm. All right, we're already over three hours, so we should probably yeah, wrap we're up there. there. But uh, do you have one more? Um. Da, 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 da. This, that's an interesting question about um from Mixek. Mixek? I don't know. Uh, what do you think of the vanilla World of Warcraft sh- server getting shut down? What do you think about fans running their own servers after a game is no longer supported by the publisher? Um, I understand why they shut that down. Yeah, I do uh, too. It makes a lot of sense because there's yeah. still an active game that charges a subscription to play. Um, but I would hope that maybe one day when World of Warcraft no longer is an active subscriber game that they would maybe turn a blind eye to people trying to run their own servers of it just to preserve it somehow. Because otherwise, you'd never be able to play that again. Yeah, I agree with Matt a thousand percent on that one. Like, I totally get why Blizzard did it. It sucks. Um, and, you know, they're not... It shows that they're not really servicing their fan base if there's that many people playing mm-hmm. on a vanilla server. Like... There's a lot of people that want it. I think it's part of that and part of that, like, the game is so different now. And, I mean, that game is... 12 years old. 12 years old. I mean, there's people that are, like, they maybe they started playing that when they were 13, and now they're in their mid-20s, and they're kind of nostalgic about it, want to remember what it was like when it first started. I get that. Yeah. But I also get that, like, if there's a way to play World of Warcraft without paying for it, Blizzard's not going to like that. I mean, like, there's also a reason why that server was so popular is because you could play on it for free. You yeah, have to play yeah War, World of Warcraft is not a free-to-play game. Yeah, it's not, so. and it's probably never going to be. Maybe someday, like 20 years from now or a whatever. A long time, yeah. yeah. So I get it. Like it's, well, it's not a free-to-play game here. It is it's also just places. Blizzard protecting its IP. It's like right. if people are over here modding World of Warcraft and doing whatever the hell they want with it, like it could potentially turn mm. into another hot coffee situation where... Yeah, well, I mean, there's, there's certainly precedent for, you know, there's tons of ser- uh, you know, player-run servers for stuff like Ragnarok Online and, and you know, Anarchy Online and yeah. all those things. So it's not like it's not... There's not a history of communities sort of taking that over. A City of Heroes, I think, has stuff like that. But, um, yeah, you're going you're gonna to run into problems with ever trying to do that with Blizzard and Activision properties, I think. Yeah, they're just protecting their IP. They have to. I mean, that's the base of it. But I also get there's other reasons for them doing it. And yeah, so I think Matt and I are in agreement on that one. So that's it for this week's show. But before we go, it's time for the Sifted Elite Roll Call. Let's get my clapper handy right now. Better this week? More this week than last week? All right. This week we got new members of the Elite Club. We got (laughs) Mo. The Surly Mexican, Joseph, Jacob, Carruthers43, Alberg, Dehoninator2, and Mitch. <laughs> <laughs>
The surly, the surly Mexican is one of my favorite usernames on that the site. That is great, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it just it influences how I read everything he posts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a great username. So, so thank you again. Thank you very much for uh, joining Elite Status. Um, I'm working on the t-shirts right now, and there are going to be... So there's going to be like three different t-shirt designs. There's going to be one design that everybody can buy. There's going to be one design just for premium and above. And then one design just for elites and above. So three different t-shirt styles, and you'll only be able to buy them depending on your level of subscription on the site. So looking into a couple other things, looking into like caps, like trucker caps. Mm. I thought that might be a good idea because people wear them every day. Like t-shirts, people wear them once and they throw them away, but hats, like people wear them every day. And obviously a big part of this is like promotion for the site or whatever. Hopefully people won't bother you too much being like, what the hell is sifted? How do you pronounce that? It's possible. What is that thing? Yeah. Is it a mixer? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right. So we've crossed the three-hour threshold once again mm. with Game Face episode 47. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Thanks for sticking around. Uh, thanks for the great questions at the end of the show, as always. And as always, thank you very much for your support. Game Face is up and out. Thank <laughs> you.